You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Mitch here from Geek Elite Media, and I want to talk to you about Cuts by Candace, an experienced hairstylist that is willing to work with you to get the right look for you. When it comes to important events in my life and I need to look good, I trust my hair with Candace. Mention our promo code GEEKOUT when making your appointment through the end of May 2019 and you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candace on Facebook and Cuts by Candace 3 on Instagram and start looking the best you, you can. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. We have the full Justice League roster here today. Chris? Yes, we have gathered to Lambastate, because that's what the Justice League does. Uh, yeah, man, we, we survived a big uh, crisis of infinite fandom. We have regrouped, and we're here to talk about some amazing stuff, because this Wednesday is a huge Wednesday in terms of comic book releases. So let's welcome back one of our best men out there, Rafa. I cannot put into any words exactly how excited I am getting to spend the weekend with you gentlemen and now getting to enjoy comic books as well. It's kind of like when they say, the boys are back in town. That's that's kind of <laughs> what it feels like right now. <laughs> that's right. We just got back from Phoenix Fan Fusion in downtown Phoenix. Ooh. We had a great time. We, we got to see all the cosplays, talk to people about comic books, listen to what creators had were doing and making and all kinds of great stuff. So we are here to talk comic books on this new comic book Wednesday. Facts. And, you know, coming fresh off of um, Fan Fusion, again, going back to that idea of how, not just comics necessarily, but how, you know, comic books have now uh, permeated into popular culture, you know, going back and just looking at all the popular cosplays that we saw, like, hundreds of Deadpools, Mm -hmm. Batman, Robins, a lot of anime characters, but it all comes from the same place, that innate feeling of just joy, dressing up, learning about your favorite characters, buying all kinds of prints and just getting signatures. And I think there's something special to say about that, right? Because with all of this plethora of stories that we have, whether it's DC Comics, Marvel Comics, Boom Studios, IDW, whatever it might be, everybody has something to look at. And those core essentials are there, you know, whether it's stories about heroes, anti-heroes, villains, there's something for everybody. And God damn, was <laughs> this to this Wednesday really a big moment for a lot of these stories. That's yeah. true. Uh, so what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to definitely do our spinner rack as usual for Wednesday. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about three essential yeah. DC comic stories that came out today. Yeah. Uh, uh, beginnings, endings, and world, continuations. World's ends, world, world's begin. Is that what you're trying to say? Worlds will live, worlds will die. That's what it was. Well, we can't say that without copy. Uh, no, but, but yeah, no, today is a great smorgasbord of a lot of stuff. So if you go to your brand new comic book day for your comic book needs at your local comic book shop, be prepared. So we're going to talk about uh, Superman, Leviathan Rising special edition, or yeah. edition yep. special, whatever. Uh, Heroes in Crisis coming to an end with issue nine and uh, Doomsday Clock issue 10. Issue 10. So 10 yeah. out of 12. 10 out of 12. Yeah. 
We're so only closer. four more months until 12? Uh, or no. did they go back to a month? <laughs> Let's see. August will be our next issue. August. August. <laughs> I know it hurts. But you know what, boys? Honestly, I'll wait. It got me back. It, this got, issue did get me back too. It's 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 bringing back that hype and all these parallel ideas of what it means to enjoy <laughs> continuity, right? <laughs> and then we're gonna get, we're gonna dive into a like a, 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 a real surface of 101 for Leviathan and what that means in the DC universe, uh, because not only is it a big event that Brian Michael Bendis is having in the DC universe, his first DC event his, too, his first DC event. We are also going. It is also going to appear in next season's Supergirl because the season finale of Supergirl that just happened uh, teased it with, uh, I guess, Leviathan, like a secret organization <laughs> that's going to wreak havoc on Supergirl. So, so do we have some synergy going on between the two? I think we definitely do, which is was very surprising to me. And I'll, we'll get to it then. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about the spinner rack first. Okay, so I'm going to go fast and hard because that's what we like on our comics. So today from DC Comics, Batman, The Last Night on Earth, issue one of three. So this is Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder's Farewell to the Dark Knight. Catwoman gets her first annual for the new series. Detective Comics gets its second annual. And because it's summertime and it's getting hot, so you got to stay indoors and read your comic books, we have The Dog Days of Summer, number one. So this is a big $10 comic, but it's just a bunch of little vignettes featuring all kinds of fun, interesting things. Doomsday Clock, issue 10, is out. The two covers will be there, so get them both. Flash by Mark Wade, volume 6, trade paperback. One of the best runs of Wally West. And actually, if you want to read Wally West back in all his glory, these are the trades to go to. Green Lanterns, Volume 9, Evil's Might trade paperback. So this would be the last Green Lantern story before Grant Morrison took over that universe. So it was actually really good because we got to see how Jordan uh, come into the book and the Green Lanterns square off against Cyborg Superman. Um, I'm oh, not going right, to lie, yeah. it was a little anticlimactic, but it was neat to get to see those two. Like Especially I like the idea that uh, Cyborg Superman hacked the Green Lantern rings. And moving forward, can we petition to call Cyborg Superman just Terminator Superman? Ooh. We need to call him something else. They do need to call him something else because we have so many cyborgs it's true. and steels and, and stuff. I don't know, robotic Superman? Honestly, it's one of those things like maybe you could even just call him Henshaw because his name is Hank yeah, Henshaw. Yeah, just call but, him Henshaw. But, you know, he's the Hank. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes the Hank. Watch out. <laughs> but yeah, no, I kind of wish they would get him a name because you can't just call him Cyborg because we have a heroic Cyborg. You don't want to be tarnishing Superman's name every time you say it because at least like with Bizarro, you can get away with it by just saying Bizarro right. instead of Bizarro Superman. So yeah, that's that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know. Right. I mean, I'm fine with him keeping the Superman name. I just think we need something different for Cyborg because we have... And technically, he's not a cyborg. He doesn't have skin. He's just metal. No, he's got that little flappy patch that he always makes sure to that, have his eye. Yeah, but I, he's, he gets recreated all the time. I figured that was just like a hologram or something. No, nah, so like one of the best ones ever, the first time he died and came back was in the Superman Doomsday Hunter and Prey sequel. Right. And so he put that little like, I don't know, that little like escape pod on Doomsday's back. And so it launched off Doomsday when Doomsday crashed in Apocalypse mashed into this dude and like exploded him and like took over the remaining parts of body and like perfectly had that sculpted eye. Uh. So it's always like somebody else's flesh and it's like, oh my God, <laughs> that creepy bastard. <laughs> so he always keeps a little bit, but still, that's not enough to be a cyborg. I'm just <laughs> saying. Good point. He, needs, he, he needs to be something else <laughs> at this point. I mean, it's weird because they also, you know, in the Supergirl TV show, what we're going to be talking about a little bit later, 
you had Hank Henshaw, and then Cyborg Superman, and then also Jean Jean and Martian Manhunter, and they're all like the same person rolled into four. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tedelessly convoluted for no reason. And for no reason whatsoever. Like, I know when, when they first brought in uh, the actor to play Hank Henshaw, like, obviously, he plays the Hank Henshaw in the past, the actual Hank Henshaw, and then the the version that you see in the present when his eye went red, everybody was like, oh, man, he's turning into Cyborg Superman now. Like, he's going to... But then again, you can't because you are, they have Superman. He doesn't look like that. So I immediately put together that he's going to be Martian Manhunter. Turns out he is. Then they go and give the Cyborg Superman version to uh, Dean Cain. Dean Cain's character, who plays Jeremiah Danvers, who is the Supergirl's yeah. adopted father. It's just like, you went a really long distance to get all that done. Well, <laughs> because that, that, that's, that's Dr. Manhattan putting his hands in the, the well, contract. There you go. It's, it's funny because that is New 52. Yeah, because when they revamped, father, yeah. yeah, when they revamped Cyborg Superman in the mythos, they're like, "Hey, let's have him be the da- or the father of Supergirl, and that'll be perfect." And it's like, "What? No, Hank Henshaw, man." <laughs> so with that show, they always try and bring back old actors that have been yeah, attached DC to the, yeah DC stuff. Um, I mean, they did Lena Carter as a alien president. They brought back Helen Slater as a what's her name? It's something Danvers. It's the Danvers mother the matriarch yeah uh dean kane as the the father and then they were talking about like where do we put tom welling i was like well it's easy you just make him uh zor-el you make him yeah the father because they have not yet shown the father uh, or her father her kryptonian father so i, I don't know i thought yeah, that, that would be interesting but i don't think he, he wants to come back anymore like i think actually i think they're saving him he might he might show up in the crisis crisis oh, be interesting. Yeah. yeah he should be the anti-monitor well, I just figured he was Superman. Antimonitor, you would go left field with that. Sounds great. Oh, no, he he could be, uh, all right, fine. You want him to be a Superman? He'll be the Earth 3 Superman. He'll be the evil one. Oh, that way, Tom Welling, yeah, you can just let all his angst out. Like, ah. <laughs> Actually, the way he looks now, I can see him playing Ultraman. It'd be pretty interesting. There you go. <laughs> you all right. Here first. <laughs> all right, uh, another product coming from DC Comics. Shazam, the world's mightiest mortal hardcover, volume one. Um so Shazam is a complicated story just in terms of publication. So he was so successful in his first appearance, he could throw a car with one arm. Take that, Superman. So that pissed off DC Comics, and they dusted him for the longest time. While he was in publication purgatory, Marvel Comics was like, let's steal that name and let's make our own Captain Marvel. And we've seen that come to fruition as both the male Captain Marvel, the female Captain Marvel, and the Captain Marvel family. But back in the 70s, DC Comics tried to revive Captain Marvel, as he was called back then, but they couldn't call the comic Captain Marvel. They called it Shazam. So if you want those first 18 issues of that 1970s action, that's the place to go. You know, I was very happy to see this when we were visiting comic shops while in the Phoenix area this last weekend. Um, they have the issue number one of that story, of that, of that set of comics, and like... Uh, I think it was all about books and comics. They were selling two copies. One was $150 and one was $100. And luckily I've got one. So I'm like, ooh, oh. Shazam <laughs> in the bank. So anyway, so that made me feel happy. Uh, and then, of course, Superman Leviathan Rising special number one. If you've been reading uh, action comics, then your labors have paid off. If you're ready to get started for the next big thing at, Mar- or at DC Comics, this is one of the main books to read today. 
Going to the other side of the fence, we're over at Marvel Comics. You have Age of X-Men, the Extremist issue four. So we're starting to get close because these are five issue miniseries, so it's almost done. Um, I'm looking forward to the Omega episode of this. I want to see how all those X people reintegrate back into the 616 and how they interact with those who made the jump and didn't. Like It's going to be very exciting. Um, let's see. Amazing Spider-Man issue 19.HU gets a second printing. And today's really great for Marvel Comics because this is the first Amazing Spider-Man where we won't have an HU attached to it. That's right. It's just issue 22. Hey, all right. So this is there good. Go. Uh, the hunt is almost over. It's not quite there. Actually, no, I apologize. Today is the conclusion. So thank goodness. Not to crap all over a storyline, but good God. When this was going to be like a six issue, I was like, all right, I'll stay on for it. <laughs> and then they just said, nah, man, let's make some who's and let's spread it out. <laughs> Good God. Um, but anyways, uh, this is kind of cool. I'm going to say the word wrong, but I'm going to try. So Amazing Spider-Man issue 252. This was the first time we saw Spider-Man in the black costume. Marvel has been doing these facsimile That's editions. Right. Yes, finally. It only took me like four weeks. <laughs> and I had to practice before we started recording. But um, anyways, they're doing these facsimile editions. And this one is getting a second printing. So this is a second printing of a second printing. <laughs> so I'm so excited. I love that they're doing these comic books this way. Uh, so again, if you want to get in on all the action and adventure of the first time we saw the black suit, that is the book right there. Black Panther celebrates his year by hitting issue 12. Daredevil issue 4 gets a second printing just in time for Daredevil issue 6. Now I have to say this issue is really neat. I remember reading, especially mostly in the X-Men books, like anytime they had the big wild crossover and then there'd be like that issue of like just the piece where they're like playing basketball or baseball or whatever the case may be. That's what this issue felt like for Daredevil because there is no Daredevil in this issue. There's Matt Murdock and there's crime and there's drama. But there is no Daredevil, so this was really wild. Did you see the the, the cosplayer that was walking around the the convention with? Uh, and dude looked like Charlie Cox, I thought. But he was <laughs> he was wearing the red glasses, and he's wearing a T-shirt that says "I'm not Daredevil" on it. Oh, I missed that. That's <laughs> it awesome. Was fucking great. And I think That's he had awesome. a cane too, but I, I I don't remember. He probably would have, yeah, because that was the the Christmas Daredevil cosplay. Oh, was it? <laughs> yep. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and speaking of Daredevil, if you want to learn more about this character, there is Daredevil Fearless Origins Shade Paperback. This is going to collect a lot of his different origin stories and some very pivotal issues of his adventures. So inside this book, you will get to see, um, you're going to see him face off against some of his major villains, the Owl, Purple Man, and Mr. Fear for the first time. But they're going to be different, so it's going to be wild to see how it is. And then you get to see part of Mark Wade's run begin with Daredevil, which does, is a fantastic era. Does the Purple Man affect Daredevil? No, and that's what makes it awesome. Hmm. So he can't affect Daredevil because of the sight problems, right? but he's always affecting the bystanders nearby. So oh. anytime like Purple Man's about to get punched, he just looks at some innocent, and he's like, go jump off a building. And Daredevil's like, fuck, I have to pull my punch and save that guy. <laughs> so it's, it, like, it's, it's a great villain because... It's not the direct attack, so he's just. And plus, Purple Man's a bastard. Bad Purple yeah, Man is a bastard. What a piece yeah. of shit. Right. That's the reason why they haven't brought him back. He's too fucking evil. Oh yeah, he's, <laughs> a, he's a dick. That's a good point. Yeah, some characters are too evil to come back. <laughs> Could you imagine now? Like, all right, who's worse, Max Lord or Purple Man? I think they've they've boosted Max Lord up to Purple Man status during uh, that his stint of. Uh, Checkmate or whatever it was. Yeah. But during OMAC. Yeah, that OMAC stuff. But I, I don't think they've ever brought him back to that level the many times they brought him back. You know, yeah, I, it's a shame because I wish they did more stories with Max Lord um, because they're both like 
Because even then, Purple Man was always a bad guy, but he wasn't as bad as he was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until they decided to do the whole Jessica Jones thing. Mm-hmm. That's when they're like, yeah, we could really make this guy be a, you know, <laughs> he's Dr. Light. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to do some nasties. But anyway, so yeah. Uh, Fantastic Four hits issue 10. So this is going to continue on the, uh, if I remember correctly, the uh, Doom. I think it's, well, yeah, I think Dr. Doom becomes the Herald of Galactus. So that's going to be some wild stuff to see there. Um, I always love to see, actually, no, wait, man, I think I'm wrong. Never mind. I'm apologize. It's a War of the Realms tie-in. Uh, so yeah, that storyline that storyline ended. So yeah, this is a good jumping-off point. Sorry. So Sorry, wait, Nancy if you're <laughs> you, we've seen. I mean, obviously, the Silver Surfer is the not the original, but the original One for comic book yeah. uh, publication-wise. Uh, so uh, Herald of Galactus. We saw what Nova. There's a Nova Terax. So not not this the man called Nova, different Nova though. No, the girl Nova. Yeah, Supernova. Yeah. Is that what her name is? Oh god, Something. I forget it, what they. Frankie it, Nova was her yeah. secret identity. Yeah. So you got you you have that. It was the Human Torch one at one point. I don't think. I he mean, now was, we have. But yeah. Now we have a uh, Punisher as a Herald of Galactus. That that's oh that right. whole yeah Cosmic Ghost the, Rider yeah, yeah Cosmic Ghost Rider. So who is the one person that you would not want to see as a Herald of Galactus? Conan. Conan with the 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 cosmic power the power is that what power it's cosmic power cosmic yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's like some characters play well when they're put in situations that make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Putting Conan in the Savage Land, fighting dinosaurs, maybe hanging out with Magneto sometimes. Okay. Works. Putting them together with Wolverine, that makes sense to me. Yeah. But like right now, when you, just the words coming out of your mouth about Punisher being, I didn't know this. And hearing this has just made my day worse. <laughs> because that's something that I don't, I don't see that. I see characters like Nova. I see characters like Terax. I see characters like Silver Surfer, those cosmic beings. Mm-hmm. I see a character like Adam Warlock, right? I can see those concepts. But as far as like, like Squirrel Girl being a Herald of Galactic, <laughs> that, sometimes comics just go too far yep. with certain things, and it's just, okay, come on. Come on, guys. I don't, I don't want this. Doing? Yeah, I mean, because just the idea of, of Doom having the power cosmic, like, frightens me so i was just wondering like who who having the power cosmic would just be horrifying or just wrong in so many levels so so it'd be tough and i would play this just because of the there you go of the the tie-ins but kind of like take the story of noran rad where he sacrificed himself for his planet Uh uh-huh but now put sue in that driver's seat so like she's gonna save earth so she becomes the next herald so she'd be very fucking powerful because Invisible Woman is already very powerful. Very powerful. But now she's going to be separated from the Fantastic Four family. So could you imagine like Johnny just being like, fuck you, Reed. I can't believe you let that happen. And Ben just so like torn up in disbelief. And then Reed just does what he does. He retreats to science, you know. So that would that would be the end of the Fantastic Four. Right Go there. back to your textbooks. <laughs> <laughs> you can't save your wife. Go back to science, loser. <laughs> he he, he uh, secludes himself from the lab. So that leaves Ben having to raise the two kids himself. Yeah. Johnny's off just drinking himself into a bender so now you have a flying around human torch that's drunk oh yeah he's gonna combust even harder <laughs> i've just created a real dark universe <laughs> <laughs> the frightful four uh let's see yeah so today's issue fantastic four issue 10 will take you back to the world of realms speaking of the war of realms giant man part two of three so all the giant people of the marvel universe will be combining together to fight giant- i saw this this cover I, I didn't i don't think i got the book but i saw the cover you have um you have scott lang on the cover you have hank pym on the cover and then there's two other people i believe oh I, i'm guessing 
Black Goliath, but it's the it's the son. So it's yeah, Goliath. It's, uh, it's the son of a uh, Bill Foster's Bill kid. Foster, yeah. Bill Foster Jr. Right? I think so. I think he yeah. might be a junior. So. And then Atlas, I think, was the other one from the Thunderbolts. Oh, really? I think so. I thought it was. What, what about the Hispanic? Um, the other giant, giant man? man. Yeah, I think was he's he on, on the cover too. too. Yeah, that was that was issue number one. Um, yeah, I think they wanted to put like as many giant dudes on there as they could because that's quite a legacy now. Yeah, just just going giant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hawkeye at one point was part yeah, of that. He was Goliath. Goliath. Yeah. yeah. Giant bow and arrow coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Guardians of the Galaxy issue four gets a second printing. Um, sadly, I'm behind on my read, so I don't know why this happens. But I know there's been some crazy talk. Like I think this might be the issue if you're worried for spoilers. Um, I know it features the Dark Guardians, so I think actually I think that might be the one where yeah, the Dark Guardians kill Star Lord, but he don't die because I mean, he's smart. If he we, wears a bulletproof vest or a space bulletproof vest. Oh, is it like a? Uh, <laughs> He did a Marty the, McFly the, thing. I was going to say the good, the bad, and the ugly, but yeah, Marty McFly. Yeah. God, the power of comic books. <laughs> um, I mean, if we if we, if they change the story to his movie version, he's half fucking Celestial. Celestial so. yeah. It's true. Which I hope they don't do. Uh, I mean, I like it, but I, want, I, I like his comic book origin as well. Come on. Jason could be ego also. No. No, <laughs> sir. I don't like it. Please, please take your crazy ideas and, and go. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's see. Immortal Hulk. So if you've been curious about this story and you don't want to do the trades, you like your floppies, then get ready because issue number one is getting a fifth printing along with issue two. Um, and both, they're going to do a, a fifth printing and also a variant fifth printing as well. This is wild. I can't say I've ever heard of that. Issue three will be getting a fourth printing. Six will get a fourth printing. Seven will get a third printing. And 14 and 15 and 16 will get a third printing. And then issue 18 is out. So that's a lot of flipping Immortal Hulk today. See, it makes sense. I mean, right now, right, with Immortal Hulk outselling Batman. Yeah. It's one of those things what? where it's like, we got we to gotta, we gotta get on this train. Yeah, I guess Immortal Hulk has outsold Batman. Uh, no, that's another reason why people were thinking why Tom King was taking off. Because they were saying, like, how could, how could you let this happen? <laughs> Like, but it to be fair, Immortal Hulk is a really good story. Is that yeah. the voice of Jim Lee? <laughs> I <laughs> think so. How could you let this happen? How could this happen? <laughs> he always talks like a supervillain. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, Immortal Hulk is just killing it. It's knocking out of the park. So, I mean, you know, I mean, when's the last time you've seen a fifth printing? That's I mean, honestly, true. even Doomsday Clock, they're like, shit, we'll take advantage of this book being late. Let's make, they haven't even hit fifth printings yet. So, yeah, this is crazy sauce. Um, and also, Incredible Hulk 181, the facsimile is getting a second printing. So that's right. The first appearance of your favorite Canadian. You can get a second copy of a second copy, and it's out there. First appearance or first? Oh, don't open that can of worms. Okay. Well, okay, so that's that's a great, like, so, all right, this is one. This is one to throw you for a loop. And I don't know if you saved it or not, because, I mean, if this works out, then you're, you're a millionaire. Um <laughs> Because Azrael's that cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like, that's a good question. Like, because, like, say you bought a comic book and it's got an ad. And they're like, hey, this month, be on the lookout for Incredible Hulk 181. Does that ad count as the first appearance? Because, because in a comic book, it's printed been. and it's got all that on there. Uh, there's been some argument for those types of things. Um, obviously, Hulk 180, the last page has Wolverine limping out. Right. And then 181 just shows the whole full first appearance. So, I mean, that's tough because how do you count it? Like, I know those DC previews books that they used to make back in the day, 
like I, I scored you the Azrael one. So like a lot of people argue that's the first appearance, but don't you feel that sort of Azrael is the first yeah? I, that's how I I can see yeah. it as. So I mean, I hope both work, and then you <laughs> send your child to college with all that comic book money because that's what we. Well, maybe if it. I had actually <laughs> took the time out to go see Denny O'Neill on the floor at some point, <laughs> it would help. But I didn't. Just bring it over here. I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll sign it for you. <laughs> I felt I felt like I felt like a terrible fanboy. I don't, did not make the time. Don't know. You know, honestly, it's so it's kind of interesting. I've heard this phrase, don't meet your heroes. Yeah. And sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. Unless they're Jeff Johns. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, it's tough because, like, honestly, like, I mean, Denny O'Neill, even though he was there, he was going to be hard to meet because the city of Phoenix declared last Saturday the official, no, I think it last Friday. Last Friday. Last Friday Denny is O'Neill, the yeah. official Denny O'Neill Day. So, I mean, this dude is living it up. He's not going to be there to, like, oh, yeah, because I even at one point, like, when I was on the hunt for Jerry Conway, I walked by Denny O'Neill's table and it looked like nobody had been there. And it's like, yeah, I don't blame the guy. I mean, he's he's so stacked. You know, he's just like, this is great. I, I don't even know if he made time to visit with Neil Adams. Yeah. You know, yeah, so which I mean, is incredible that they wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. So. And they were so far apart from each other on the con, too. Yeah, they were. I mean, but that's you know, the thing is that Neil Adams booth is always separated from the rest of the artists. Like it is always it's a huge booth, too. He always has a, a huge booth. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's definitely he's in the market. He's he knows what's up. He sells his prints. Yeah, he had so many prints ready, mm-hmm. available. He'll sign it. He even had a secondary uh, shelf of books that were already there. Like I took my Green Lantern, Green Arrow hardcover, and I was like, yeah, I'll totally get him to sign this for me. I saw him having one there selling for 150. I was like, I don't think he's gonna want to be like, oh yeah, let me make some competition. I mean, yeah. I plan on keeping it because that mean that book means a lot to me. I remember when my dad bought it for me. But I was like, yeah, he'll probably be like, nah. <laughs> I don't know. He probably would sign it. Uh, Neil's a Neil's a rough dude. Yeah, I know he is. He's a he's a rough dude, especially as he's gotten older. Like you see him on Twitter sometimes. It's like I don't want to be that fan. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So sometimes it's tough. So I mean, I mean, hey, hey, I met Ron Mars last year. Oh at my gosh, fan yeah. fan fest at the time, and uh, I not that he disappointed me, but. He did kind of shoot down some of my lovable char- characters that I loved. Yeah. So. Hey, here's this thing that's made me money. It can suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nah, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully, yeah, so. Danny O'Neill, he's a cool guy. <laughs> All right, let's see. Moving along. Uh, Kirby is fantastic. King size hardcover. So if you want some Jack Kirby art that is insanely big, like freakishly huge, this is the book for you. Uh, it's going to reprint a lot of stories. Fantastic Four, number four. Uh, that's the reemergence of Namor into the Silver Age Marvel Universe. Issue 12, 25, 26, 52 through 53, 66 through 67, 84 through 87, and Annual 6. A bunch of stories that really don't have any major output outside of issue four. Then, yes, spend $100. Um, <laughs> I think it's neat that they're doing these giant books. Uh, that's really cool. It's damn near to the size of the actual publicated art. Uh, but if you're going to drop three digits, I'd probably steer you over to, I think it's Dynamic Forces or no, IDW when they do those artist editions. So I'd definitely say go on the hunt there. But if you want some big Kirby art, that's the way to do it. Uh, Magnificent Miss Marvel issue three will be out as well. Major X, the book nobody asked for. Issue one gets a third printing. <laughs> it's true. Rob just, Liefeld asked for it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me draw this and you can reinsert it back to your past continuity. Uh, yeah, reinsert. Uh, issue three gets a second printing and just in time for issue four to be put out today. 
Um, let's see what else do we got. Uh, Marvel's Spider-Man City at War issue three is out. This takes the Spider-Man from the famous PlayStation game and puts him in his own stories. So if you love some of that stuff, get him some more. Uh, for the fans of Speedball, your time has come. Speedball, the masked Marvel <laughs> trade paperback is out there. So if you wanted to see some of the early adventures and pivotal stories in the grand life of Speedball, this is the way to do it. I wonder if they'll include that famous issue of... Uh, um, Civil War, because that was a huge yeah, thing. Yeah, they're not going to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll get the first 10 issues of Speedball and then Amazing Spider-Man. Are there 90. fans of Speedball out there? Uh, this will sell at least five. Just five? because three of them got damaged on shipping uh, okay. and <laughs> the two fans I just, out there. I mean, I've never seen anybody cosplay Speedball. I've never seen... I mean, I've seen people cosplay Penance, his, his you know, after Civil War version of himself, but... I've never seen a speedball. I don't think speedball is the one that does social media, right? We that during Civil War, that's what it was his big thing. Was like, I'm a YouTube star, and I'm getting all the new warriors to be YouTube stars, and that's why he ended up blowing up the fucking shit. But like, <laughs> yeah, nowadays he's probably a big um, social media person, just like uh, what Batgirl is, and um, I don't know who else. Who, who else does oh, a God, lot of social media know. stuff? Uh, that should be a Shazam thing. Spider Gwen. I think she does. I think she plays with some of the stuff. The champions, actually, that's right. Champions were, do, yes. They were big champions Twitter. do a lot of it, yeah. Honestly, I would say, and this is my hope that with Speedball happening and the upcoming TV show, it's time for the New Warriors. I don't think the new. I don't think that New Warriors TV show is going to happen. You don't say hurtful things on the show, Mitch. I mean, why is he doing? I mean, they have the cartoon, <laughs> and they have the 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 what is it? The Marvel Rising cartoon, right? The one with the the. The actress who was supposed to play Squirrel, Squirrel Girl, Girl is, yeah. does the voice of Squirrel Girl, oh, but true. I don't think that live action show is ever going to happen. Well, you know, honestly, I'm okay with that because I, I'm i a fan of the original New Warriors. Okay. Like, I mean, when I looked at that lineup, it's like, this is like saying, hey, it's the Doom Patrol and you're not using the originals. The New Warriors, that could be your, that could be your Teen Titans. Yeah. Or actually, sorry, that could be your Titans. That Like, you could plop that on the Marvel streaming service and there's a great show right there. I mean, when that book came out, there was a lot of teen angst. It spoke to the teenagers. It was hip. You had superheroes on skateboards, man. You can't get any more real than that. But that's so. what Champions is now. Champions oh, speaks to the, the kids. Champions is it's too much. Like well, you got, that's because you have a roster of hundred plus. It's you know? a different different generation. Yeah, yeah. But well, it's just trying to be legion of superheroes, which isn't bad. But you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I know. Now's the time, New Warriors, step it up. All right. Speedball leads the way. Wow. Uh, Spider-Man Life Story Issue 2 is getting a second printing. I cannot hype this book enough. Oh, my God. Life Story is just fantastic. We're three issues deep. It's a six-part miniseries. Oh, my God. You need to read this book, and you need to read it now. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man versus Mysterio. God, this trade paperback, it's like there's going to be a movie coming out. So if you want to get some information on Mysterio, like some first appearances and stuff like that, this is the way to do it. And today, there's a big comic that comes out for all you Star Wars fans. I usually gloss over this stuff, but today I'm going to make the time. Uh, Marvel's Star Wars, issue 108. That's right. The original Marvel Star Wars series is finally getting a new issue. So all the Star Wars books that have been happening since the acquisition, this goes back to the first time Marvel had it, before Dark Horse. So for all you old school fans, your time has come. Uh, a lot of new talent is working on this one. A lot of returning talent will be there as well. So if you want to go back and revisit the old classic Star Wars, that's the way to do it. 
Uh, continuing on, Thanos issue one of six gets a second printing just in time for Thanos part two. Thor number 13, continuing on some more of the uh, War of the Realms. Now, if you want to save some money, here you go. True Believers, Marvel's Greatest Creators, Silver Surfer, Root Awakening, number one. Spider-Man, Craven's Hunt, last, or sorry, Craven's Last Hunt, number one. So these will be some two-story arcs to get you your appetite wet for them. Uh, Uncanny X-Men fans, get ready. There's a lot of second printings. Issues 13, 14, and 15 will all be second printed as well. Uh, I know I'm going to try to get issue 15 because that's the one where Cyclops got shot. So they, they kept the same cover, but they put Cyclops in gray. So I'm kind of like, all right, that's enough for me to justify it. <laughs> uh, Venom issue 13 is getting a second printing. Any Venom books right now are going to be hot. We have an upcoming crossover, Absolute Carnage. So get ready for that. War of the Realms, Spider-Man and the League of Realms, part two will be out as well. War of the Realms War Scrolls number two and then Wolverine the Long Night Adaptation. So this originally started off as a um, oh god there's a proper word for it but it's an online readers theater type story. So now they've adapted oh, it into comic book form. It's a uh, radio show. There it's we go. A, radio show. It's a podcast yes. actually. It was a podcast uh, audio only movie story however you want to call it. Yeah. Book on book on tape. But yeah that was pretty awesome because they, then they're doing a sequel podcast uh i don't remember i don't recall what they're gonna be called but it is gonna be wolverine again yeah yeah this thing really it, it it hit great with fans so a lot of good stuff coming out of it so yeah so that'll conclude today uh x-force the new volume is is getting collected in the trade paperback so this should be the first five issues this will be titled sins of the past x-men grand design is back we're gonna get two more issues and this will cover the history of the x-men universe from like the late 70s to now uh, this series has been really good. Ed Piscor, he's been killing it with the first four issues, the first two sets of the story. So I'm highly looking forward to sitting down and reading this one. Uh, these, they usually collect the trade in like an oversized edition. So I recommend getting the single issues, and I also recommend getting the trade because it just makes the art that much bigger. So we, I was talking to another friend of ours, uh, Chris Jitsi, about this, the Grand Design books. And he, he was informing me about how they're you know going through the history of the X-Men. Yes. Now... Uh, if you do like the the well, I mean, the book starts off with you know uh, Xavier finding his five students or whatever, right? Yeah. But if you go into X Men, you read X Men in the late nineties, early two thousands. Isn't Sage like his first student? But he made her go do some other shit. So like, this book, uh, this is where it gets tough. With continuity is hard uh, because yes, sometimes it counts, sometimes it doesn't. Because, like, as I was reading this book, like, Cyclops straight up kills somebody in the first, like, issue. And I was mm -hmm. like, what the fuck? And, like, Cyclops yeah. has never killed even by accident. So there's going to be a lot of stuff in here you're going to read that you're going to be like, what? And a lot of stuff. So it's like, like, I, I want to say I think he's playing it more towards the actual publication as opposed to the comic book continuity. Okay. So, yeah. So, that's, so essentially that's what, what this is, this is like that those issues of Superman before, uh, uh, before 1000 really came back yeah. in the... In, Jurgens had that that story where it was like, "This is the new history." Kind of, like, yeah. yeah. Like, when I they mean, were this merging is merging the two. Yeah, like I mean, this this is like, this is for fans. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily say like you could stack this up and be like, "Oh, this is where I'm going to get like this." This is going to put a continuity fix, and this is going to be important. This is just for like that one fan who's like, "Man, I really want to read X Men, but I don't want to have to read all of it." And it's like, dude, here's these six comics that'll get you caught up on like the first 
what they started in 63 so 40 four decades six, six almost 60 years 60, okay. so yeah so i mean that's that's crazy so i mean it's it's fun art it's it's it, he's done a lot of meticulousness to it so it makes it worthwhile but yeah like this won't be like the the x-men bible this is just like a really good hymn book <laughs> so that's what's on your spinner act for this week let's get talking about phoenix fan fusion a little bit I wanted to say that I actually went in cosplay this past weekend for the convention. I went two days, or I we went for four days. I went in cosplay for two days. First, uh, not the first day, but the one of my costumes was uh, Jerry from The Walking Dead, the TV show. I'm pretty sure he's not a character in the book, but I, uh, you know, many people have commented on how much I look like Cooper Andrews. I don't think I really do, but I have facial hair and I'm kind of a big guy. So you bring the sexy back. I bring the just like him. <laughs> So if you've seen Shazam, you also saw you saw that actor. He's the foster dad to Billy Batson. But that's um, why they call you Big Papa Mitch. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, hey, at least one Shazam's person does. <laughs> uh, so I did that cosplay, and then this, and then the other day I, I went I went as uh, casual Mister Miracle. Scott I went free, so Scott good. free, so good. Beat up, uh, bandages on his wrists, um, wearing a Green Lantern shirt. Even made shoes to match the the ones he's wearing when his baby is being born. Yes. So, I bring this up because Chris has constantly, when that book was coming out, constantly put out there that, hey, if you don't like this book, I will buy it from you. Yes. So, I need you to buy my trade paperback from me now. Are you serious? You didn't like it, huh? Okay. Wow. I, I'm being facetious. I was going to say, because I'll buy it. I don't mind. No. <laughs> I got a copy from my class. I didn't like it, because there was a lot of parts of the book. That I, I, so, I finally went... Basically, what I was saying is that I finally went and read the whole thing just because I wanted to know the character for if I was going to cosplay him. Right, right. Um, I read through it. There are a lot of parts of it that I really like. I really like what Tom King did with the character and how the parts away from the battlefield, like when the Furies just show up at the, the waiting room at the hospital and, you know, they're just like, hey, we're here. And he's like, hey, but no, no hurting people, kind of. You know, like yeah. they're having these weird conversations. And then the whole, like the whole. I brought a vegetable tray. Yeah, <laughs> the veggie tray. The the truce when you when they're negotiating over peace and stuff like that. And like, no, we said twenty four hours is a day and blah 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 kind of thing, right? Like that stuff is hilarious. That stuff is funny. But then I don't get like, where does this fit in continuity? Is is Orion actually dead? Is Darkseid dead? Like, is Granny Goodness dead? Are all these people that are part of the uh, new gods and uh and apocalypse is gone from dc continuity right now so to answer it in three words yes and no <laughs> yeah exactly like the end of this book there's I, I they go out of their way to say this is the end there is no story after this this is where the story ends but that's that's not an ending to a story He's the new king of I can never remember what the New name, Genesis. New Genesis, thank you. He's the new he's the new high father, but what does that mean? So it's tough because like it, I think it was issue 11 when Metron breaks reality and you see all the superheroes flying in. So the thought process, I mean, and there's so much to intake on this. There's so much and oh man, I'm going to have to dig through my phone to find it cuz Tom King put out this Twitter image before he wrote it, like it was, it's huge. And like, I actually, I want to get it printed out to make it like the bookmark because it kind of like, after I read the whole 12 issues and again, that's one of those ones, like I want to sit down and read the whole thing. So he put out this Twitter post and it's 
Big Barda and Mr. Miracle holding hands. And he put a quote. Is this not the true romantic feeling? Not to escape life, but to prevent life from escaping you by Thomas Wolfe. And that was the very first thing. That was the very first clue that we had something happening. And I think that world that we visited, I don't think the children are real. I think Scott is like in a coma. And that's his coma life. And it's just like, this is kind of nice. Like I'm escaping all the hell and I'm just healing because we've seen them pop up in other stuff. Like we've seen them in Heroes in Crisis. We've seen them in Doomsday Clock. And I mean, obviously they're not going to take their children to war, you know, like, yeah, we're going to go face Dr. Manhattan, bring the babies, you know, but it's, to me, it's just something that like, I don't know. I just, that was the vibe I got from it that Metron was kind of selling him where it's like, you know, you're, you're not in continuity. Yeah. And then Scott Free's like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter to me. It matters about living because he escaped death just because he's an escape artist. And now it's like, I, I understand what I really crave, which is life. But again, it's all it's all up into interpretation. So yeah, it's do I not like, drink and read this book. I like the, the idea of <laughs> of like that they said at the beginning of the book of dark side hid the anti life equation inside me, like kind of thing. Yeah, like that. That's like oh, that's interesting. That's stuff that that could be played with. That's like what if the you know the anti life equation is in all of us, kind of thing. And then I felt like it got dropped. Like I felt like there was a lot of things that could have been better but i did like the book for the most part so you don't have to buy it i'll give you half your money back okay thank you (laughs) and then i get to visit the trade on weekends (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's definitely it's that's what's interesting and there was a lot of like the ending was very polarizing um people really loved it people didn't get it and it's tough because like knowing the history of the character helps Mm -hmm. not knowing the history of the character doesn't hurt you know and it's tough and it just it really depends on where your head's at as you're going through this because you know it's like it'd be interesting to talk to somebody who has been in a coma and comes out like did you live a whole nother life or did it feel like you were out for five minutes and you woke up you know like what happened with your brain while you were in this coma did you live a dream you know we've had that remember sometimes where you just woke up so sad because you had this amazing dream you know it's roy from mark and or from uh, rick and morty you know it's oh. like you put on this video game and you play it and you come out and you're like i just lived a whole lifetime oh my god you know and that's what this is for scott and you know he's got a beautiful woman who would love him and stand by his side um, and two great children, and he's defeated Darkseid. Yeah, who would want to leave that realm? You know, who would want to walk away from it? Because, I mean, Mr. Miracle Continuity is so flexible and forgiving that it doesn't matter what happens. Because, like, Mr. Miracle Volume 3, Barta left Scott. Like, she was just like, I'm done with you. Fuck off. And she left him. And that was crazy. And then quickly they put him back together because they were canceling the book to put him back in the New Gods. Uh, the next time you see him in the next big thing, um, the books that you're reading right now, that Earth 2 stuff, they had Barda. She totally betrayed Scott Free there. And then, you know, that got washed away. And so the argument there is maybe that's the Earth 2 Scott Free. So maybe there's something there. Uh, we saw him in the Dark Side War. And in there, she betrayed herself to save Scott. So right. she was going to get taken by the Furies. But we didn't see that sequel because no. the New 52 world kind of just up and poofed. And this female Furies, who knows? Is it a true sequel or is it just a sequel in name? You know, so that's the tough stuff about it. 
Okay, so just wanted to bring that up. Now the rest of Fan Fusion for me was I, I mean, I had a great time. I, I went I got to see a lot of people, talk to a lot of people, talk to a lot of people about their costumes, about their, their you know, the comic books that they're reading, stuff like that. Like I said, I didn't get to go to a lot of panels, I didn't get to go to uh, I walked the floor a lot and I and I talked to a lot of indie artists. Indie artists indie comic book creators. Like if you love comic books, like I would say the three of us do, honestly I don't get to talk I don't get into a lot of the indie stuff i don't go away from the the big two all that much but that is where you can find the new upcoming people like the yes. creators you know the 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 ones that are going to be having a book that's might be it it looks familiar because they want you to to gravitate towards it but it's also going to be something different like I, I mean who are some of the big ones that that came like all the image people right they, they all they're all indie people that created their own uh, create our own comic book, you know, uh, company. So yeah, I mean, who knows how many times we walked by Scott Snyder? He's an Arizonan. Yeah, you know, we could have just walked right by and like, hey, that's cool. Keep keep pushing your your silly little image book there. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like that guy writes Batman. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, it was it was great to to talk to some people. We have I have a few uh, interview podcasts that'll be coming out later and stuff like that, and that'd be that's gonna be interesting. What did what did you guys see? It was truly a wonderful experience, kind of like what you were talking about, same here. Um, I was focused on getting video for uh, the channel, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, Geekly Media, YouTube, go check it out. That's right. Because, again, a big part of it is, you know, people who have never been to a con, you know, this is a good chance for you to go in, take a look at from our perspective what goes on in these things. And with fa with uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion, a little bit bigger than some of the other ones we have. And so with that, you kind of get an idea of what it's like to walk the floor, getting to see the numerous amounts of people that are in cosplay. And so I think it's really cool that you got to take a second to, to, to talk to these people and mm -hmm. like, oh, that's a really cool costume. I didn't have that luxury as much because it's kind of like took the video, walked on by to the next person. Right. But that was really cool because you, got, you, you could tell how much they appreciated taking a picture with you or th there was no one that when i went up to and i said hey can i please take your picture and everyone was very oh yeah of course there was no one who was mean about it there was no one like oh i guess right everyone <laughs> was really really nice about it and that's a big thing because again it's everybody coming together with that you know we also got to see all kinds of different people selling things i liked all the different merchandise i tried not to buy anything because <laughs> way too many cool things yes yes there are um one person though well one person i did get an, uh, an autograph from from one of his signed things was todd knock knock and yes. like that was a lot of fun for me personally and again one of those things where it's it's the visual storytelling because yes in this medium we get to kind of talk into your ears and give you that sweet orgasm but sometimes when you visually need to see that you know, whether it's the YouTube channel or you going and reading our, our articles, whatever it might be, it's another way to explore and see. And, you know, one of the big things is where I work, whenever we do events with the kids, we, we take video. I take video because I want to make sure, yeah, if you look at things for assessment purposes, we went to this many cons, we saw these many people, we talked to this many individuals. In this case, it's more like these are the smiles that we saw visually captured on screen. And I think that's really what it all builds. My favorite thing about Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion was the, the families. The families that were there and the big smiles they mm -hmm. had when they saw, like, oh, my God, it's Wonder Woman. It's this person. It's that person. And just the sheer creativity of everyone there as well, you know, because it's kind of something for everyone. The diehard fans can go talk to people like Neil Adams and, and go get autographs and do those kinds of things. They can talk to Chris Sabat mm -hmm. or see their favorite anime by one of those inappropriate uh, anime girl pillows, yeah. whatever it might be. <laughs> But there's something for everyone. Even if you're a casual fan, you know, there's people you can talk to and 
that's what was so much fun about it. And, you know, again, being part of this illustrious group, you know, Geek Elite, we're able to, it's it's work, but it's not work. Right. You know, it's yeah. kind of us going into a situation. And the reason we do the podcast is we have opinions and things, but we want to share them. And one of the main things that we learn in research methods, right, is when you have a hypothesis and all this stuff, scientific method, we learn why do we do this? It's so that we can share our findings. Why do research if we don't share it? Right. Why read comic books if we don't share it? And I think that's what the power of cons is, especially with Phoenix Fan Fusion because you had all of these people come together in this illustrious four days and we got to have so many cool things. <laughs> now, it's funny that you bring up Todd Knock because I've had the pleasure of having him sign stuff, talk to him, take pictures with him at a few different cons awesome. um, throughout the years. And uh, he is one of the biggest fanboys himself. Yes. Like He is a huge fan. So I think it was Saturday. He was running around the con dressed as Peter B. Parker. Oh. <laughs> and he, if you look at him, he has the right face and hair and, you he know, does. age. He and does. So... Him go, running around, not just behind his table, but like up up on the flo- the Hall of Heroes floor as Peter B. Parker taking pictures with other Spider-Men. Like when those Spider-Men figured out who he really was, like who he was yeah, as the, this guy uh, just asked me to. And he's an art. Yeah, exactly. Oh like yeah. you could see I, I would I was watching as their minds were just getting blown. It was awesome. So like. He did the the Ben Riley short book, that short Ben Riley book, right? For no, I don't think he was on it. No, wasn't it? Well, okay, are you no? Oh, you're talking the the Clone Saga one when they yeah yeah yeah. Okay, yes, yeah. yeah. He did that. He did all six issues. Okay, the Clone Saga, the way it should have been. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was called, right? Something like that. Yeah. But I mean, other Spider Man stuff has he done? Um, I think he may have dabbled in a couple of issues, something tying into like Spider Verse and Spider Getting, mm-hmm. but he hasn't really had anything like ongoing, ongoing. Okay. Yeah, his main things was what uh, Teen Titans, Young Justice. Yeah, yeah, so things like that. What about you? What did you What did you see that was cool? I know you got a few cool signatures. Yeah. So like this. Uh, so this one was kind of fun. Like I went to this con not hunting for myself, but hunting for others. Uh, a coworker of mine, her father passed away of MS. And so they're real big fans of Muhammad Ali. And I pointed out to her that they had done this book, Muhammad Ali versus Superman, or Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Uh, I know Neil Adams was the artist of it. So she unfortunately didn't get a copy in time. And I was like, oh, you know, and I was looking around and I was hoping to find a first print. But that book is just like, it's crazy. It's crazy big. Yeah. Um, So I got lucky and I, I made it over to Neil Adams' booth and I got a print of the whole cover. And I even learned some stuff on there too. As, as Neil was signing it for me, he was talking to me about some stuff. And like he had so many celebrities of that heyday put on that page. And he was even like, yeah, I even had John Wayne on there. And then John Wayne's people were like, no, you can't put him on there. So I said to hell with it. And I drew a mustache, you know, nice. so like, damn, Neil Adams has always been a rebel. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he can get away with stuff. Uh, just put a mustache on. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but that was really cool. So I had him, uh, uh, put it to tribute to her father. So that was a really neat thing. So I can't wait to give her that. Um, one of our, one of our frequent guests and one of our best friends, Sam, uh, Jerry Conway was there. So uh, I managed to, um, luckily I had an extra copy of the Punisher's first appearance, the one of the dollar reprints. I mean, <laughs> if I had extra copies, yeah. That's yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so anyway, so I had that dollar copy, so I had him sign that. And then I also picked up an extra print and had him sign it as well. So I gave both those to Sam. So it was nice to heal him. I mean, he always squeals like a girl, but it was neat to hear him squeal like a girl <laughs> again. So that was pretty cool. Uh, myself, I think one of the cool things was, like just seeing all the fan made stuff that was out there, uh, I just love it. Like 
just random ass stuff that gets made. It's so cool. Um, unfortunately, like I've been buying up all these Legos, but they had some of the superhero Legos there. So it's oh. cool to see those in person. And I think one of my big ones, and I'm going to try to set something up, but uh, meeting Tom Velez. Oh, yeah. Um, Very both, nice guy. Yeah, real awesome, friendly guy. Uh, he had aspirations to be an astronaut, but he was he's too tall. And so luckily he could draw. And, oh, my God, he, he made this beautiful these two prints and they, they spoke to both Rafa and myself and um, the one I picked up has this, uh, I think it's called knowledge. So it's this astronaut and he's looking at this orb and like you see a skull reflection and just this like flame linked around him. And the other one that Rafa picked up, it's, it's a white background with the astronaut kneeling and then flames and smoke coming off of him. And it's just like, Oh my God, like my brain just started like wanting to make story for it. And I was like, this is awesome. And he was one of those people that was very um, interested in talking with yeah, us. He wants to network. Yeah. When we talked to him about geek, he's like, Oh, I wanted to do a couple of podcasts. So he was very excited. And yeah. on top of that, he talked about how, like, cause we asked him, what's your favorite, fandom type thing to draw because of how he loves uh, Spider-Man. Nice. And so it's like one of those, I mean, who knows? Maybe in the future. Yeah. yeah oh, that'd be I awesome. see why not. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely I look forward to trying to set something up there. Um, and yeah, so that was really cool to talk to him. And it was just neat talking to a bunch of, about a, a lot of people, people selling stuff, uh, creating their own stuff and just fans being out there. It was just, it was real fun like this. This took me back to like the golden age of San Diego Comic-Con. Like back when it was pure comics, you know, like, yeah, you'd have your, you know, your celebrities and whatnot. But nowadays, like San Diego Comic-Con is just so crazy big. And this one is getting bulky and I love it. I'm glad that it's getting that way. Yeah, I mean, it is great how much they focus on uh, comics and, and artists and stuff like that here. But I mean, Phoenix Fans Fusion had so much stuff on their floor. They had they had uh, people that have creative like. Des- designs you got me a nerd doll which is awesome it's you know <laughs> a beast cool. made of a yarn and then i saw uh, a group have a bunch of like marvel characters made out of like tin cans yeah see i mean you people are so creative in so many different ways and they they all focus it in, in into this one small space not very small big space but a lot of people so small space um and then there was video games and there was tattoos there were people getting tattoos for on the real floor. i've that never seen that before <laughs> that is crazy uh so they, I mean, there was just so much to do. I mean, I didn't get a chance to, but I used to. I honestly like to. I like to go to the panels where we get to talk, get to talk to, or ask questions to some of the old creators. You know, I don't want to say old creators; they're still creating stuff. They're yeah. just they were in the heyday of comic books. They were in the '60s and '70s and '80s of the you know of of making the the great comics. So. Uh, you can see the young, you can see the old, you can see the next generation, you can see the last generation, you can see everything you want to know about comics in one place at this convention. It's it's amazing. Yeah, like I was so happy that Heroes Initiative was there. Um, that was really cool. And like I, I, the, the artist, his name slips my mind right now. Um, but that was really cool because like it was funny. I remember talking with Jeetzee about this. They were going to do uh, Dick Tracy. They brought him back and they were putting him like in the Sunday comic style again. And then a couple years, like about a year after that, they're like, let's bring the spirit in. And I was like, fuck, how do I get a hold of these things? You know, like, what am I going to do to get them? And it just, it kind of slipped my mind and boom, there's a free book sitting there. He signs it for me. And it's like, oh shit, this is a collection of all those spirit Sundays that I was missing. And it was signed by the writer and artist. It was like, oh, this is great. Howard Chaikin? I don't know if that's right. I mean, I that is a person's name that yeah, I know of. I, I just don't, don't know if that's, that's the, the one, guy who wrote yeah, it. Yeah. So, but it was so cool. And like, I always love when Hero Initiative is there. I love just... Like what they do, I'm so glad that that has taken off. 
like just to help all those creators and they don't they don't like discriminate i mean they're helping modern creators too like hey man if you're hurt we're gonna help you get back on your feet and that's real awesome because these creators man they give us a universe and it's nice to make sure that they're protected well here's to next year hopefully i mean i'm sure it'll be just as fun and just as great Um, definitely so heroes in crisis number nine into the story took nine months to to tell Mm, did we have i think 11 yeah they did have some skip time yeah some skip weeks because even this one came out late and they just they they made a big point to be like yeah there's a reason why this issue of heroes in crisis number nine came out with issue 10 of doomsday clock there's a reason those two came out and i'll be honest with you I'm drawing my own conclusion. I don't feel like it was specifically stated that those two books tied into each other. I don't know. Did you do the Well, the, the only thing that I can see is that issue nine of Heroes in Crisis is definitely all about Wally West. Yes. You find out that Wally West is the reason, is the mo- the biggest reason of why, uh, or is the killer in Heroes of Crisis. He's the killer of Sanctuary. Uh, and then in Doomsday Clock number 10, as... Uh, Dr. Manhattan comes into the Earth the, Prime? The DC Universe, DC yeah. DC Universe, yeah. He realizes that the DC Universe as is is considered the metaverse, as he coins it, because it dictates all the other universes in the multiverse. So as time changes or story changes or, as we know it, continuity changes, uh, it affects the way that the rest of the multiverses work. And we get a direct scene of from rebirth where wally west is essentially yelling at doc manhattan saying uh uh whatever you did they'll stop you he, he sees him in the uh, what what did he, it, the speed force no, <laughs> I, don't know. I mean it would be the speed first speed Should force be, yeah. but it, it would also be the bleed if you were reading yeah, traveling uh, between the universe yeah. so yeah the or uh, yeah. hyper time if we were back in the 90s still um so he sees him there, and he and this is should be moments before uh, Barry would touch him and bring him into the Rebirth universe, creating the U- Rebirth universe. So I would assume that because Doctor Manhattan touches or interacts with uh, Wally West at that point, they create the Flash re- or the Rebirth universe, which then the very I believe the ne- very next page or right around there is when you see him grabbing. The Green Lantern lantern away from Alan Scott, again re- reiterating that he now is the New Fifty Two. Yeah. Well, he took the yeah he took the JSA away from the New Fifty Two Rebirth universe. Yeah, no, I find it funny, and I'd be curious to see like like it'll be interesting to go back and look at some Flashpoint stuff because I've often wondered. So Wally appears in his Kid Flash costume, right? Which is very iconic, a great suit and stuff like that. But what does that mean? Like, why why not? Because Wally was running around in a Flash costume. Right. And he kind of just got put off to the side even in the Flash book before Flashpoint came. So, yeah, very interesting. So, the uh, way that I see it is because... I would say that's because that's the way uh, Wally West still sees himself. In the in the Speed Force, he needed to create his own body. Because even when we get out of the Rebirth... Or when he creates the Rebirth universe, he comes out. He doesn't wear... The yellow suit anymore. He he gets a modif- mod a modified version of the red suit. Yeah, he does. Uh, but to to him to actually be create to create himself out of the Speed Force, he he sees himself as Kid Flash still. That's yeah. what I see. No, yeah, there's definitely something like how do you view yourself? And, yeah, you know, he still views himself in that regard, which is. 
kind of a shame because he's done so much growing up in the Wade and John's eras. So true. Know? So true. But I mean, well, yeah. But then you, again, how do you affect when your great uncle is back? You know, <laughs> like the man that you aspire to be is back. Obviously, it would it would affect you and it would nudge you back. To and I'm sure like Dick Grayson again. will always see himself as as Batman's sidekick instead of. Is not, even though he's become Nightwing and Batman himself at one point. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. His 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 version of that 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 that, that avatar would probably be like a Robin suit. So one of the great things I did like about uh, Heroes in Crisis Nine is is in I've loved these those nine panels throughout the whole run of the book. Oh, I've been so good. Every time you you see yeah. a hero or a villain in a confessional, like sitting there, but you have. You, you, first, first off is Tim, right? It's Tim saying, "Well, Dick is the nice one; everybody loves him. Uh, uh, Jason is the cool, rebellious one, and um, yeah." So the exact quote is, "Dick's the funny, nice one. Jason's the rebellious, cool one. Damien's the cute, mean one." So I get it. I get it more than I get it. But what the hell am I? And you go through each one of them. Dick comes up next, and he says. Uh, Tim is the smart one. And then Jason says, Tim is the loyal one. And then, well, you get to Damien. He's like, I don't care about the rest of them. <laughs> well, what did they say about me? And then spoiler, spoiler at the very end. Oh, she's like, sad one. did anybody even talk about me? No, they always forget about me. She was a Robin at one point. She was. Yep, she was the dead one. She was the dead one. She just like Jason. De- just like Jason. 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 <laughs> so, like, I loved I loved the, that tie-in through this panel. I loved the Red Tornado panel where he's like, I was thinking about creating my own family. Why? Because Tom King wrote this and Tom King wrote the Vision yep. book. <laughs> so, he's going to recreate the Vision book with the Red Tornado? Yeah. No, okay. I, I thought that was great. That was such a neat, like... Shout out to the fans. Like, hey, Eagle Eyes, here you go. Let me let me ask you one thing, Rafa. I don't speak Spanish. What is it that uh, Kyle Rayner says in his panel? Yeah, when I was reading that, I, I didn't understand why it wasn't Spanish to begin with. Well, he's he's half Hispanic. I did not know you this didn't know my that? entire time that I've been yes. in comic books. So Judd Wick first, and then Tom King in his Omega Man run. Yeah, hinted at his Hispanic Reiterates origins, that yeah. he's, he's Hispanic. Isn't... It's an incomplete sentence, but basically he's saying Angel of the Oso, uh, Angel of God, uh, what am I? So like Angel of God, what am I? So he's asking God, like, what is... That's, that's, who, what, that's is what I'm translating it as, yeah. It's oh. like, God, who am I? Kind of like in a sarcastic tone. You say it that way, like, what am I doing? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? So, that, I mean, that is essentially what we get out of all these confessionals. Is everybody, every one of these heroes throughout the whole run is, is essentially... I, we we have no idea what sanctuary asked them at that point if they even ask him anything because I think a couple of them say aren't you supposed to ask me something like what am I just sitting here for but some of them are obviously answering answering a question yeah but it always comes back to well who am I what am I doing why am I doing this you know so I mean I love it because in in knowing where Tom King comes from in his past of being a CIA analyst yeah. member team agent well, i don't an know agent. what he he's is an active agent but yeah so uh you know he's he he has this real world experience of people who have done certain things to ensure safety and security and maybe need someone to talk to but it can't be public it can't be like to a normal therapist it has to be something different and that's essentially what we got here these are superheroes that have gone up against gods 
ancient gods, the devil himself, you know, uh, new gods. You know, the, these are all things that have just cracked worlds in half. Some who have died and come back. It died and come yeah. back. What do you do when 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 that's? I mean, what does that tell you about yourself? What does that tell you about the afterlife? Ex- existentially, what does that mean? And that's exactly what's going on with Wally. Like. Wally is broken because he had a family. He had someone that he loved. He had children. But those have blinked out of existence. Everybody else has forgotten about him, but he has to live with that memory. Yeah, and this is no doubt Linda is still around but has no clue about him. None whatsoever. That hurts so even more. It's got to be. So then you have the two of them talking to each other, and I keep getting lost. Like, I really wish Disney, Disney DC would adapt the whole uh, different color word bubbles for different people. Like, because yeah. at one point you have two Wallys. Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Batgirl, Beetle, Boo Beetle, and Booster Gold all in the same area, but yeah. not being shown in the panel. And you have to try and figure out who it is that's saying what. Yeah. And it, it kind of upsets me. Which is something that he does a lot, especially with the with the Robins. Yes. Like when they're like in rooms together, like right. you have to be able to tell off of, okay, Dick would say it like this, Jason would say it like that. Which is which which is good for fear you have a good writer. Yeah, it's good like, style. Yes. But it would be helpful to other people who are reading because we don't hear it exactly. to, to understand who it is that's saying it. Well, and it gets even troublesome too with the two Wallies. Yeah, that's exactly. the hardest part. Is that the five? Is that future Wally or past Wally? Yeah, and exactly like the the past Wally is the one that's sitting there crying, but the future Wally is the one that's sitting there like, yeah, we already went through all this, and this is what's about to happen next. But he's the future. It seems like the future one was the one that's going to kill the past one. Kind of seems that way, yeah, because when he walks up on him on past while he's sitting there crying, it's almost like... He has like, his hands around his neck. He's about to snap his neck. Yeah, yeah. Well, Am I, I wrong? I think they change. I think Is, they change because they, change they stand up and hug each other, and, you know, then it's like, you know, because I think at that point, Wally knows what he... Like, past Wally knows what he's got to do. You know, he's like, okay, I got to buy myself more time, so I got to kill me in order to do this, so then I'll just come back and kill myself. Um, and it looks like, yeah, he's about ready to pull the trigger, you know, but no, I, I still think that was past Wally that had his hands around himself's neck. Okay. So to do that. But then again, you could be right. Maybe that's where future Wally is like, hey, I know what you're thinking because this was me five days ago. And I'm totally going to put my hands around your neck and this is why you should do it. So you know, kind of luring him. Five days in the future, Wally comes back to the past to get killed by present day. Okay. Comes back to present day to get killed by present day Flash so that that Flash. So the future Flash could be found by the by the Justice League, and then present Flash can go five days uninhibited to kill other or one killing the other people in Sanctuary, and then planting poison, uh, ivy, poison ivy and then exposing the exposing sanctuary. sanctuary. Yeah. So that was the whole point of it was to to get the Justice League to say, hey, this was Sanctuary. This is a thing that we needed as heroes because. We need someone to talk to, but he just felt like it, it was important for the rest of the public to know about it. Yeah, I mean, like that, that to me, that sounds like that's like the writer's narrative where it's like we shouldn't be ashamed that we talk and we get social mental health. Okay, you know, and I think that's what he tries to say with Wally because Wally's like, I mean, it is true. Like, could you imagine if we talked about experiences and problems so that way we don't feel alone? Because that true. was what Wally's problem was, and that's why he went on a berserker because he's like. Well, you're just one of those droids, snap. You're just yeah. one of those droids, snap. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shit, I've gone too far. Those were actually people. Oh, shit, what do I do, you know? So then we have Booster grabbing a clone of present-day 
No, future Wally. Yeah, they, they went and grew a future Wally clone. <laughs> so that body doesn't have any brain activity. It's just dead. It, they put it there for Batman to find. And then they take five five day in the future Wally to the back to the future, back to the present future, so that he can go to jail and so, and and atone for his atone crimes. for his crimes. Close the loop and atone for your crimes. Yep. That still oh. leaves one Wally unaccounted well, okay, for. Okay, so past Wally is going to go and have to do all this stuff. Okay, too. that's right. You're right. So past right. Wally's got to take the clone body, and ditch eventually it, he'll become and then future. do all these things, and then he'll become future Wally, and then go to jail. So, so there's still not a dead Flash anywhere. No dead Wally anywhere. There's no dead Wallies. Got it. Just dead clone Wallies. <laughs> dead clone Wallies. <laughs> so there's a lot to like decompress here, but one thing that I do want to say is. As a whole, and I'm talking about DC continuity with I, with uh, Heroes in Crisis, with um, Doomsday Clock, I think this works on two levels. One, on the level of, yes, we have that idea of Wally lost everything, and so, you know, mental health issues, these are things that are going on. It's a very, I don't, I, I don't even want to say it's a bittersweet ending. It's, it's It feels very bitter, um, and there's a lot of levels to that. But to me, the reason that I think it works is because of the tie-in to what they're doing with Doomsday Clock. Okay. Now, Doomsday Clock is now, for the better part of two years, setting up this punchline and this final battle between the unstoppable Dr. Manhattan and then Superman. And they've been dissecting this in a lot of different ways. Now, one of the main things that I remember about New 52 when it first came out and then kind of went through its whole thing where people were talking, even even with the Man of Steel movie, right? This is not my Superman. He's too dark. Mm-hmm. This is a modernized version. Mm-hmm. And that's been one of the main things forever, right? And, you know, some of those those things, okay, yeah, I can see some of those credence. But ultimately, when we talk about the DC universe, we've had this conversation before as far as which characters are the ones that embody hope, the ones that everybody loves. On one end, we have Superman, Mm -hmm. the ultimate symbol of hope and the reason why everyone does these things. He was the first hero, the main hero, the one that always subscribes. He is the standard, right? He is the hope. With that, we have other characters, which would be Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson. And what happened to him recently, right? He lost his memory or something happened? A piece of his brain gets shot out by... KG Beast and he's uh yeah he's he's no longer Dick Grayson he's Rick Grayson and he doesn't want to be a superhero anymore he doesn't want to be a vigilante everybody's best friend Dick Grayson is no longer part of the community which is horrifyingly sad Mm -hmm. with that they've also now set up and brought back Wally West another character who many people like the whole fact that this happened in Heroes in Crisis has upset so many people and rightfully so I think Tom King, Jeff Johns, whoever the writers are, I think that they have had a plan in the long game to basically set up these stories to systematically take out these main characters, to have it left where, okay, so now we are in a world where, yeah, these heroes, they're fucked up, they're messed up, they need sanctuary. And it makes sense Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. But one of the main characters, I think he had one or two panels when he was in sanctuary himself, but one of the main characters who you could argue maybe didn't need it as much as others was Superman. Yeah. Because he has to be stronger than that. Right. Right. And so now we have the fantastic 
issue number 10 of Doomsday Clock. We have Dr. Manhattan, who's basically putting his fingers in the waters that is the DC Universe, creating his own ripples. And what is he doing? I feel like he is responsible for doing all these things. What you kind of talked about before, Chris, the idea of how maybe Wally is being uh, manipulated by Dr. Manhattan in a certain way. So I did have a theory about this, too, and I I know that you haven't had a chance to talk yet, Chris. Sorry. No, you're fine. But uh, essentially, we have... um, Dr. Manhattan arriving on DC Earth, 1938. Yes. Right around the first appearance of Superman. His first appearance. Shows up, picks up the car, stops at the bank robbery or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he dis- that Superman disappears. And then he's like, wait, it's 1956. And now it's the reintroduction. And every time he shows up at that first introduction of Superman, it gets pushed away. So there is an old theory of... Um, what's it um Basically, what it says is that anything observed is being changed. If you were watching it, it's not naturally happening anymore. Like it's not what's what what was supposed to occur. So even though Doctor Manhattan is not being seen by anybody, he is still affecting change. So him showing up in those periods and those points are are physically moving the the timeline for Superman to show up and create the the Age of Heroes. So that's what I'm thinking is happening. So then now we're getting to uh, issue nine of Doomsday Clock, where he has has to stop all of the Justice League and all the superheroes basically from fighting him as he waits for Superman to show up, and that's what we see at the end of issue ten: Superman waking up from his coma to go after uh, Doctor Manhattan okay. on Mars. So that's going to be issue eleven, right? Yeah. Issue eleven will be him, the two of them, coming face to face on Mars. What does that mean? When? What does the immovable object against the unstoppable force mean in DC universe. Like their punches could literally recreate reality. Yes. And I think this is hard because it's, it's, it's been hyped up so much. And now like it's, it's, it's meeting there. It's getting there. Like I'm excited. Like, it's always like, was it worth the wait? I'm like, yes. I'm like, I'm, get me there. Get me to August. I want to fucking do this. But what did it cost you? What it, exactly. <laughs> it cost me uh, a poorly written Wally West. Oh. But ultimately, yeah, what's going to happen? One of the main fan theories that I always read is, what if Dr. Manhattan turns Superman human? Damn. And I just thought about that. And it's like, but why would he want to do that? Like, he's, like, throughout this issue... I mean, okay, he's, he's, it's not so much that he's amazed by Superman, but he's amazed by the effect that Superman has. Yeah. So he he's sitting, he's looking at this world. He's like, this world is so much different than mine. It's it's so much ho- more hope. He literally says that at one point, I believe. Uh, he's he just talks about how um, how Superman has affected not just this Earth, but not just this planet. But all the planets, and then all the realities, and then all the multiverses, and then the dark multiverse. All the timelines. And all the timelines. So, what could he gain from erasing a super-powered man? I think Dr. Manhattan is, again, he's he's experimenting, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, his hypothesis is, can he break Superman? Can he make the man with hope lose hope, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel, if you want to play it that way, you know, with all the things that are happening, even with Heroes in Crisis, people are losing their hope. All the heroes have fallen. I'd like to think that maybe if this is if they play it this way, Dr. Manhattan's doing all of this to ultimately play it as Superman, I'm taking everything away from you. What do you have left in the eyes of God? Right? He ultimately takes away Superman's powers. Superman's a normal person. And and Dr. Manhattan's like, why do you keep fighting? And Superman, I don't know, maybe he keeps fighting, something happens. 
and people it's televised something happens people see it and they get hope back i don't know i think they could do some kind of cheesy thing where it's i feel like jeff johns is trying to bring back that like they did so well in green lantern rebirth Mm -hmm. as well as uh the flash Flash rebirth Rebirth. it's stories that are able to bring back those things that these characters at their prime were able to convey in the audience and that was those prime emotions of hope challenge joy love and so you know in when you have insurmountable odds in the face of god himself what can you do what well does this mean by the end of this do we get another rebooted world do we get another rebirth do we get another uh new 52 so i don't think we get any reboots or anything like that i think it's just all continuity will be smoothed in like, it's one of those things that's like, no matter how much he suppressed Superman, Superman appeared. You know, it always happened. Um, going back to some talking points in prior to this, so why does Manhattan do this? Because he's become the villain. I don't think he likes that. He did say that. He feels small. For the first time, he feels small. Like, so jumping into Doomsday Clock, because I, I did have some th- thoughts about a, not a crisis, but for Doomsday Clock number 10, yeah, he's like, I can't even see three days into the future. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is the first time somebody's challenged him in his whole life because Dr. Manhattan has lived his whole life as both John and Doctor with his powers because he sees time all at once. So like, this is this is like exciting for him. And it's also bad for him because like i even look at the quote at the end every action has its pleasures and its price so it's like yeah he gets to be dr manhattan he gets all this stuff and he's on a world where he does get to be a scientist and he's playing to see what happens because even if you go back to the end of watchmen he's like i'm gonna go to another universe a much simpler one like he got to be here and it's like hey i I take out alan scott no jsa new 52 wally can see me that's okay i'll shove him aside but then I noticed the Superman character, no matter what, he was always there. And that that's his immovable object. And it's like, but I'm unstoppable. So, yeah, that's what that confrontation is going to lead to. So I think that's his motivations is it, it kind of at the core of his being. He's still a man. He's forgotten that. And I think that's what his gift will be is like, oh, like like you said, the theory that he'll turn Superman into a man. I think he needs to be turned into a man. Because he's been far from it for so long. What yeah. if Superman punches him so hard <laughs> that John Osterman? Yeah. No. Yeah, Osterman. Is it Osterman? Yeah. No, John Osterman shows back up. <laughs> like Doctor, <laughs> cool. Doctor Strange style. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, going off of that, what was it? I was going to say. Uh, I lost it. It's okay. <laughs> but going back to Heroes in Crisis? Yeah, so jumping back there, so like uh, to me, like I look at that cover and I see the blue lightning, and I know recently, and I would say I'd wager, I think that's a new, or sorry, that's a post rebirth thing, Wally having the blue lightning, and I think that blue is a tinge of him being touched by Doctor Manhattan, by Doctor Manhattan. So I think like yes, like Heroes in Crisis needs to stand on its own, like it really does. It needs to be a story talking about PTSD accepting it accepting our flaws and 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 our consequences opening up and all that stuff like it needs to be like how identity crisis like yes it's a launching point but it's still a story and that's what i kind of feel like heroes in crisis is so i feel like that blue lightning is there to remind us our like it's going to be played upon later uh it, to me that just that screams dr manhattan uh, because even at the end of it, like, because at the end of this story, fuck, I feel so bad for Wally. I mean, he's just, it's like, yeah, everybody else is okay. You know, Ted and Booster had a great adventure. The Justice League's going to be okay with it. Harley got um, uh, Ivy back, back, and they're okay. But did she? Because that doesn't seem like 
she's got it seems all like her she's gonna have to grow her okay. yeah and i mean i think it's gonna be like the i am groot thing okay you know so it's just they can't go directly that way but it feels that way i mean obviously her, her, ivy's gotten a huge power boost because now it sounds like she's connected to the green which right. was never like really the thing, thing. yeah, yeah. um but again, with that that last panel like that, you know, and even he says, and yet despite this, it's despite that burden, or maybe because of it, you're still running, and then it shows that blue lightning like that. Like, I don't know. I just like there's something very ominous about that. Um, I do love as well like the nine panel grids. I love those things because it's it's neat little guest appearances. Like I was happy today. Like oh shit, Captain Adams there. That's awesome. You know, like there's a guy who would have some PTSD stories because he lived in Vietnam. Came back to a world that's completely radical. Watched his, you know, his wife marry his enemy, then die. His enemy being a total dick, and his son and daughter not even recognize him. And even at one point, his daughter kind of having a crush on him. So it's like that guy's got a lot to talk about. So that'd be exciting to see that. Um, the Jim Corrigan one hit me though. The Spectre one, you know, when he asked our Lord, you know, why do we suffer? And like he couldn't speak through the tears. It was like, damn. Like, I'm not a super religious person. I've got my faith, but wow, that hit. Like, that's even like, he weeps for us. Even like, I don't know, that just, whoa, that just hit me. Like, I guess I'm still processing it. But yeah, I feel like like the story, it, it's going to be in its own thing still. Like, they didn't want to meddle with it. Uh, some stuff did feel like it got dropped out. Like, what was it? The, the, the puddlers? You know, I don't mm-hmm. know if that essentially got answered or not. But again, it, I'll, I'll need to reread all nine issues to really get a better grasp on it. But I feel like, yeah, seeds were laid in this and they're going to come later. Like issue 10 of Doomsday Clock definitely stole the show. It's definitely it's it's the book of the week to read for sure before you go to bed tonight. Um, but, yeah, I feel like we're going to see some of the fallout because all this focus on Wally. Wally represents hope, like you were saying there earlier, Rafa. It's like you look at all the hopeful characters. I mean, Superman's purposely put in a coma. We see that no matter what you do, he'll always be that force that comes forward. Uh, Dick Grayson is gone to us. He's Rick. But, again, we do see him in both Doomsday and Heroes as Nightwing. But, again, those are small things. Like artists and editors and writers don't necessarily know what's going on in the grand universe sometimes, but it's like, yeah, if you're going to talk about three of your hopeful characters, you know, like, I'm sorry. I know Barry used to always be like, Oh, he's the patron saint of hope. And that's true. But modern Barry, new 52 Barry. I don't feel that way. I don't feel like he's the Barry Allen of the silver age that we had. So it falls on Wally, uh, Richard and Clark. And, you know, two out of three are gone right now. Superman's the last one. And well, yeah, when issue 11 comes, it's going to be huge. And I, well, I also want to say is that, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, was that look at the Teen Titans. These were our teen sidekicks, right? These were the ones that were that were there when they were first created. They were, they were the hopeful team. They weren't the Justice League. They were the young, impressionable team. Now you have Dick Grayson, who was their leader. He's no longer Dick Grayson. He's Rick Grayson. He, he doesn't want to be a hero anymore. Right. You have uh, Roy's dead. Roy, Roy, you know the one that was more of a partner to his partner, his his hero than than any of the others, and then uh, who's dead, and then Wally West, who's who who was the he looked up to his uncle Barry the most. Like he, all he wanted to do was be the Flash. He that's all he ever wanted, and now he's a murderer. He's he's in jail for killing not villains, his friends, people yeah. that would have been his friends. So that's three out of the five Teen Titans. So Tempest is, is essentially non-existent, yeah. you know, or he's not in any publications. No, right now. and Donna uh, is is locked up. Last time I saw, she was locked in the. She's not locked up, but she's 
being held inside the Justice League watchtower because she can't be trusted anywhere else. Like Wonder Woman says, she's a she's a weapon. She's a living weapon. We can't just let her roam around. Yeah, she's no longer that woman who got married, had a baby, who is Donna Troy. Now she's a weapon. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. What, I mean, what does that what does that say about this world when the the hopeful teen sidekicks are no longer allowed to be hopeful? Yeah, when the next generation got damned, <laughs> <laughs> sins of the father, huh? Yeah, some crazy stuff there. Well, I mean, you look at a lot of it, like even like Cyborg, he lost. Like, I, I, like I'm glad he's in the Justice League, but I wish he would have been in the Justice League as a member, not as a founder. Like, I feel like they robbed him of that youthful past that he had. Obviously, in modern publications, they don't give a fuck. They're like, no, he remembers Raven, and he's going to be a, a part of that because Teen Titans Go is a huge fan base, and we're not going to lose that. Yeah. You know, but the comic books themselves, yeah, there's going to be some massaging coming out. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Oh, no. It's good. It's oh, well, one thing that I really found exciting about this issue, I love how much of a boost they gave to Alan Scott. Like, oh, yeah. he is, he's like, without, you take him away, there is no JSA. Like, I thought that was so cool. I thought that was really neat. I really felt like they made him the, the leader of the JSA. Now. Yeah, I felt like he is definitely the top dog. Uh, one page that, I, like, I was just flipping through it right now, and I, I, I kind of found it on accident. It made me think about that. Um, the Thunderbolt. So yeah. one of the pages, like, you know, Johnny's going to, Johnny Thunder's going to take a picture of the original eight. And then they're like, hey, well, let's give Superman some time. And he's like, it's cool. I'll find Superman. And he says, say you, the genie appears. And he, before he can give the command, find Superman, he's blinked out of existence. And if we go back to Rebirth, DC Universe Rebirth, that was what Johnny was saying. He's like, I, I don't know where the genie is. I don't know where he's at. I want to get him back. I thought that was Doomsday Clock. Uh, no, that, that that goes back to, I mean, it, it's also been running in okay. Doomsday Clock, but it started right there. So, I mean, that's pretty crazy because in post-crisis continuity, Johnny died. Right. Uh, Jeff Johns killed him when he used him. I forget what the story was. Stealing Thunder. There yep. we go. Yeah. So, I mean, this is exciting that, you know, Johnny's back. You know, but what does that mean for JJ Thunder? You know, what is that going to mean to some of those characters? But yeah, like it felt good to see the JSA again. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Like I, I could honestly say issues one through eight. I was like, oh my God, what did I do? But issues nine and 10 have so recharged me for this book. I'm stoked. But you, you, know, you know, what's funny is that I, I really enjoyed the issues that had to do with Marionette and Mime. Like I loved oh, those yeah, characters, like the, the what johns was doing with those guys, those two like i'm not i, I don't know you probably have you probably say it differently because you see me from the outside but i don't think i'm a villain person but uh i really enjoyed that those two characters in their in their madcap schemes like what is vet and those two and the joker last time i saw like what are they, the four of them doing uh i don't know because oh, we yeah, haven't yeah, gone back got, to that. Well, they got they got side put together yet. with the villains. Yeah. So yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting because yeah, like actually you brought that to my mind, Rafa, with Wonder Woman. She's got to face off Black Adam and all those guys because they were like, oh, all the heroes left Earth. That's right. It's time to feast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who do we have left to take care of everybody? Right. Wonder Woman's taking care of that. Yeah. Wonder Woman. Batman's the in the Batcave still. So yeah, probably coming out of his beat down. Yeah, and licking crash. his wounds. And then Superman just woke up. Yeah, and Superman's gonna have to go after Big Blue. Yeah, no, like, honestly, this has the potential, like, and it was funny because I sent you that panel, too. Uh, today, I think it was 13 years ago today, we got that panel with Superman screaming, and they always make that meme when somebody pisses you off on a multiversal <laughs> level, and so it all shows all those different versions of Superman screaming, and that comes from Infinite Crisis, 
again written by Jeff Johns. So it's like, huh, maybe he's timing it that by the time issue 12 comes out, that'll be the 15th anniversary. Wow. And uh, one issue a year. Uh, we got plenty of time left for that. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's going to scream to that. But I mean, I just always remember the Battle of Metropolis. In Infinite Crisis, I thought that was a cool moment. Even though you got all this crazy multiversal shit going on, the Battle of Metropolis was happening. Was that when everybody was taking on Superboy? Uh, no, that Superboy was the Prime? one in space. No, this was the one where like, 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 oh god, all the street heroes were fighting all the villains in Metropolis. Like mm. that was the part where uh, Batman gets the gun and he's about to shoot. Alexander Luther. Right. It was that side of the battles. And it's like, oh man, like I hope John treats us that yes, we get, you know, Dr. Manhattan Superman showdown, but we also have, because again, that's, I, I think Dan Didio said this quote, and I don't know if he got it from somebody else or whatnot, but it's like, all it takes is the villains to win once. And I mean, we're doomed. You know? That's funny. Cause that's, that's the story of wanted. Like if you read, uh, Mark Millar's, uh, well, his forget, comic book version, I forget what, 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 company that was for oh god it was yeah i don't think it was image it was one of those like smaller processes. yeah but yeah. like yeah essentially it's one day the heroes finally work together to defeat all the or the villains finally work together to defeat all the villains all the heroes and you mind white people so they didn't remember remember that heroes existed and villains existed and stuff like that so uh you know that kind of seems like that it also kind of seems like um uh society um Supervillain Society. Oh, the Secret Society of Supervillains. Yeah. yeah, during Infinite Crisis, right? Yeah, they they did yeah. they did some play up there where yeah. they were like, okay, yeah. Reminds me of uh, Alex Ross's. Um, well, he draws it. I forget who the artist. Oh, the. Oh, are you talking Justice? Justice. Yes. Where they were, uh, they have the dream, and then Lex Luthor's like, Earth's gonna die because we've become complacent because of the heroes. Mm. So then they, I remember it's what it's Bizarro. Oh God. Metallo. Brainiac. Brainiac and like another character, they all like team up on Superman. They almost kill him. Yeah. And then Shazam shows up just in the nick of time. Yeah. Which, I mean, all this kind of also harkens back to Kingdom Come. Like, I don't know. There's, there's Kingdom Come in my mind constantly lately. No? Nothing? I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel it. But no? I mean, again, though, it's one of those things where it's like Superman is the linchpin. Yeah, you know, like once he comes to, things have got to go crazy. Uh, one thing though, like that I that I that I read about in this issue that I missed that I didn't realize I'd be missing, and probably just because I'm I'm coming off of watching Superman the movie last night, Pa Kent. God, I miss him. Like I I I hope like Rafa and I were talking before we came over here. It's like I hope somehow, I hope somehow we get Pa Kent back. So I had no idea Ma and Pa Kent died during prom for Clark Kent during New 52. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't know one. that was his story, and that's why he was more distant in New 52. Yeah. Like, I, I really dropped out of comics during New 52. Yeah. So that I, was completely new to me. And then Dr. Manhattan being like, oh, this is the Superman that I can relate to. And so it's like, ooh, that's weird. <laughs> and even back then, because Jeff was running Action Comics, wasn't he? No, that was all Grant Morrison. That was, that was all, all Grant Morrison. Morrison. Um, Jeff Johns. So he killed post-crisis Pa Kent because he right. did that in that Brainiac story. That's true, yeah. So he made that happen. Uh, he did write some new 52 Superman after Grant Morrison. But yeah, Grant was the one who was like, oh, yeah, let's have it specifically be on Clark's prom. The one time Clark is like, I'm going to go have fun, Mom and Mom Pa die. I like how they bring that back. But also, I remember that story because I read those those issues and they brought in a new character that I never knew before, some Kryptonian that was covered in bandages that lived in the Phantom Zone. 
Oh, oh, was that the the mystery Superman from like? Yeah, didn't he have like a question all, mark instead of a I think Superman? So. Yeah, yeah. It's from All Star. It goes from All Star. Right? Yeah. yeah. So and he, obviously that's part of the Grant Morrison trilogy in reverse. Yeah. Because um, it's also part that, of the that Superman of the future, but he can't let himself see himself, ah. so he hides behind the bandaging. Right. Yeah. Because that's uh, one million, right? No, because one million is the pure gold one. Uh, oh. That was just like that's just like a. How can I not recognize myself? I'll put some bandages on. Got it. Lace lined, <laughs> lead lined. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I just I, I really loved how they did, and like crazy props to Gary Frank for really doing a good job of capturing the art style of all those famous parts yeah. prior to that. Like seeing Man of Steel, uh, seeing Action Comics, I think two fifty two or the Adventures of Superboy number one. I, I don't know my dates right off. The oh, top of for my head. the Legion? Uh, no, for the. Um, the Silver Age Superman. Oh, okay. Uh, the Silver Age Superman. So I've got this story I would love to do someday. I want to bring back the Silver Age Superman. We never got to see him go away except for the imaginary story, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. Right. And I would love, I mean, unless Jeff Johns beats me to it, but that's the Superman I want to bring back. Like, I want him to exist somehow. Uh, but no, like, Gary Frank just killed it. Like, he did, like, as I was looking at those panels, I was like, damn, I am seeing all that art and feeling those books again. That was really cool. But, yeah, this issue, definitely lots of hype. Uh, I'm glad that we got um, to see inside the mind of Dr. Manhattan. And it's I can just think of – I just can't wait till the next ones. It's going to be a long wait till August, but it's going to be well <laughs> worth it. Like, it, like this book is – it's moving forward again for me. I just hope we get issue 12 before year's end. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so last story we wanted to talk about was – The other big book of the week. Superman – uh, Vyth and Rising. Rising, yeah. So you know what was funny about that one? Both these books today, they both had the car from Action Comics number one. That's true. So I thought that was kind of funny. And going back to Action Comics 1000, what was Jeff's story about? The, the car. car. That's right. That fucker loves the car, man. Well, that's the one thing that <laughs> Jeff, like we've, we've known this, like even when he created Rebirth World, he was our universe, he was like, I want the legacies back. I want the old relationships back, which is funny because he didn't bring back the JSA. So then now we have Doomsday Clock, which is heavily has the JSA in it. So this is the thing that he loves to do is bring back all the things like everything belongs, like nothing should be left out. So right. it's, it's going to be interesting what the world looks like after Doomsday Clock finishes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think. And you know, what's going to be interesting. Next year is the 85th anniversary of DC Comics. So, you know what? That's perfect for. A reboot? No, a brand new history of oh, DC Comics. A go. soft reboot, essentially. A soft reboot, yeah. So you do that. You do Doomsday Clock, and then you work it all into it. Now, you know, do you play with some of Grant Morrison's multiversity? Sure. You have that crazy map of all the different multiverses and stuff like that, and how it all is basically molded off of the metaverse, you know, and then yeah. you can play with some of the, the metal stuff, you know, that the forger, is that's what he does. He, he takes the realities that shouldn't be. So, like... You know, just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to take all this shit from hypertime and I'll break it down so that way we keep it as a nice even number of 52. <laughs> so Leviathan. Leviathan yes. is a... It's a it's, name that's been in the DCU. It's a bit name in the... So in previously in the DCU, it was in Batman Incorporated, as uh, Rafa pointed out before we started recording, yes. used by Grant Morrison, created by Grant Morrison. Yes. It's an evil organization, secret organization that's uh, equivalent to the CIA, but evil. Uh, it's not Inner Gang, which is the evil right. version of it Interpol. Makes me think it's like the new version of Inner Gang. Yeah, but, this but a little bit more clandestine. It reminds me a lot of like DC's version of Marvel's um, Hydra. 
There you because go. Because also a big a big character in uh, not Intergang in uh, Leviathan was Doctor Day Dallas, right? Otto Nets, right? Who was um, the original Batwoman's father? I think so. Nazi if scientist, yes. Yeah. And I think that in itself adds to other other dimensional layers too. So in that we have the you know that's what it's being used there. Now in the Rebirth universe, we have a different type of the Leviathan's a little bit different. Maybe I don't know. Do you do you find them still to be an evil organization? Because I remember hearing Brian Michael Bendis talk about it, and he's like, he wants to take out all the other secret police force or right. law enforcement agencies, and we already have the destruction of the DEO in the DC universe because of Leviathan. Was I going to remember? Was Spiral good or bad? Sp- so they're exactly. supposed to be good. Were they good or bad? Their agents were good, but then it turned out that their head was. A villain, so they wind up like it's like, oh, we're collecting all this information. Yeah, I Turns think out Spiral was thing. like a like a subcategory because yeah, the person that was was a computer version of Doctor Day Dallas. Mm-hmm. I remember now. Yeah, that's and right because so, they carried over that villain. Uh, so with that, with with the whole idea of Leviathan, with this issue showcasing Talia again, Talia was like the main head figure of Leviathan during the Batman Incorporated run because all of it was tying back into Son of Batman, right? Just so that ultimately they could kill Damien, which they did. And whatever. So I think there's still an evil organization. I'm hoping that this turns into like the next big thing. Because I remember Inner Gang was a big thing before and hasn't really been used a lot in recent time. And so with Leviathan being that underground. Because I remember Leviathan being very fucking evil in um, Grant Morrison's run. I'm talking about oh, like yeah. terrorist cell, sleeper cell, children just killing each other on the streets of like Tibet. And it's it's a very interesting concept that it was coming to America and Batman doing the best he could to stop it. Yeah. So when I think of Leviathan, I think of like an unstoppable force. Yeah, no, Grant Morrison definitely played it up. Like, I mean, that's why we had to have a Batman Incorporated, you know. Um, to me, I feel like I, I hope this story does a good job of cleaning up all those types of organizations in the DCU because like Marvel's got it smart. It's S.H.I.E.L.D. It's Hydra. And then, yes, I know you could argue you have AIM and, and I think there's another organization or two. But, I mean, DC is just pouring like almost every major superhero has a version of that somewhere. You know, Cobra gets played up a lot. And they used to be fearful. Now it's like out of the 20 different organizations, who gives a fuck, you know. Um, so I hope this definitely streamlines it. Um, I like the idea. Like, I mean, obviously I love a mystery. And I'm so excited that there's going to be a lot of detective characters in this uh major shout outs to lois lane and jimmy olsen i think that's gonna be great i love in this opener issue clark kent man that's so cool we get clark kent <laughs> yeah not superman we get clark kent like that was great um i love talia like because yeah i feel like bendis is like i'll play in that background i'll go i'll go back and read me some uh grant morrison and yeah i'm gonna take his leviathan i'm gonna crack it open and show you what was really inside of it so it's like, damn, if Grant made them scary, what the hell is Bendis going to do? Like, this is going to be nuts. So that I had a couple issues, though. Um, one, we have, you know, Talia, quote unquote, kidnapping Clark Kent. Um, this is going against the head of Leviathan or, or Leviathan. Uh, she wants to, as he says, explains it, expose Leviathan to the rest of the to the community to essentially be a coup. Um at one point, you have Lois who now who realizes that Superman or that Clark has been kidnapped because he doesn't come to tuck her in. 
Like she, she's like, I can, I can just talk at a regular level. I know you should show, you'll show up as soon as I say show up. And he doesn't show up. Um, she goes to investigate. She puts all the, the crime scene together. She figures out what happened, what went wrong. Then she calls up Batman. Why do they, why do they hide Batman in that scene? Like we know it's Batman. What the fuck are you trying to do? <laughs> then she, she's, Batman's like, are you sure you want to do this? Because you pull this card, you'll never be able to pull this card again. What does that mean? You'll never be able to call <laughs> Batman to help? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Superman's never going to trust you? I don't... Superman's always going to trust Lois. Then Batman does absolutely nothing. He's like, you were right in everything that you said. Well, thanks. I'm glad I'm right. Did you go find Superman? No. Talia let... Or Leviathan lets Superman go. Or lets Clark go. So yeah. then he just comes home. Well, I guess technically they go and help him because he's still poisoned from the kryptonite. That's yeah, because Batman. Batman made a call. He's like, Talia... You stop. <laughs> stop <laughs> it him, now. You let him go. For the love of Damien, you stop. <laughs> then she does evoke Damien, too. When he throws her out of the aircraft, she's like, my son will come for me or come, you know, avenge me. And then Superman catches her. And it's just like, what is going on here? And then she doesn't want to tell who Leviathan is. So that means she knows who Leviathan is or does she not know? So it's going to be interesting because who does Talia have a strong relationship with? Jason Todd. And Jason Todd, like, he's been totally name-dropped as one of the possibilities for Leviathan. And Bendis could just be like, fuck it, dude. I'm going to give my my spoiler right now. He's not Jeff Loeb. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but he didn't kill him. That's why. <laughs> that's the Jeff Loeb twist. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. And what's tough is it's like we're doing a puzzle and we're starting from the dead center trying to see the picture. And it's like, oh, what does it all mean? What is it going to be like? Yeah, you're not starting at the middle, at the end, at the beginning of the maze. You're starting in the middle, the center of the maze, and trying to work your way out. Yeah, and it's it's so tough. But if they did this to Jason Todd, it'd be so out of character. I would be pissed. He's not the one to sit there and have all these pieces moving around in the background and stuff like that. Like Jason Todd, I love the character, but he's direct. That's he's why in your face, it's going to end up being Tim. It could be Tim, and and what, <laughs> if that would be, that, be, that'd be even worse. It would be worse, but like, which Tim would it be? Is it the one that's in Young Justice, or is it the one that you know, old Tim from the future? Is it the Tim from the Titan future tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. Is it the Tim that's current that is supposed to go to college but isn't going to go to college? I don't. I mean, which Tim? I hurt my brain. <laughs> no, so I mean, like, it's definitely like this is a book you got to read like two times. Okay. You know, like you, you really do. You have to sit down and look at everything because like. Then we get, a, we have an interdimensional jewel thief. Like, why was that thrown in there? Oh, yeah. Well, and that's Fraction, though. Fraction's fucking weird. Oh, fuck. Like, that was he, Matt Fraction? Yeah, that guy. The Jim Wilson part? Damn. Yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't realize he came over to DC. Yeah, that's why I was like, that's why I made the joke because we have a naked Jimmy Olsen and he's holding yeah. the flower. And I was like, oh, naked Clint Barton with a little uh, <laughs> with a little Hawkeye head over it. So it's that'll be the Matt Fraction book, uh, Naked Heroes, um, Heroes in Nudity. Uh, that's his nine part maxi series. I read that. Um, but yeah, no, that part like I I feel like it's just like okay, this shit's so serious. Let's just have some comedy relief. Maybe there's a spoiler in there. I don't know. You know that'll that'll be tough to say. They're they're, they're playing it for us right there as you're scrolling through that. It's atro- atrocities. Atrocities is gonna show up <laughs> to collect Dexter, and that's it. Yeah, Dexter being on Earth again, and then finding his way to Jimmy Olsen, and then I don't know being a Red Lantern for Jimmy Olsen. That's weird. Man, Jimmy Olsen, Red Lantern. 
when that Does he happens. have enough rage? <laughs> yeah, That's he's tired of being the best friend. He's like, do you? Ties. I'm sorry, I <laughs> would never be tired of being Superman's best pal. You would until you realize that's all you are is the best pal. Everybody's like, oh, I want to talk to you. So I go talk to your best friend. <laughs> and that's the super villain secret origin of Jimmy Olsen. And we've seen Jimmy be a villain. Uh, go back to, uh, what Turtle was it? Turtle Boy? No, um, uh, The Nail. The, oh, that's right. You know, he was yeah. just so there. Yeah, there but that was, that's the, the absence of Superman. Yeah, but that's what happens is in this case, there's so much Superman. He's like, fuck, I'm angry. I'm extra angry. <laughs> so we also see. So we see the the Lois Lane being an investigative reporter as she is. Is this the beginning of that other book? The one that's going to be all the detectives with uh, Lois Lane and uh, the question and all the them. question and plastic and man, <laughs> plastic man for Green whatever arrow, reason. Green arrow. Detection arrow. Is and, it going to incorporate detective and Batman and detective yeah. chimp? Yeah. So that's going to go into the event Leviathan. That is going to be going yeah. to the, okay. so yeah. So the next thing, like you'll read event Leviathan. Um, and then like actually in the book itself. So yeah, it tells you in the last one, mystery continues in event Leviathan. Uh, and then this part, it's going to tie into the bigger picture the year of the villain. Um, now, truth be told, I don't know how much that's going to tie into. Like, they've literally, like, if you look at this July 2019 checklist, holy fuck, it's like every book. Readers, listeners, I would say stick with the action stuff. If you want to do the Leviathan books, uh, maybe Superman. But, yeah, a lot of this is going to be ra- real crazy out there. So I am not... Up to date on my action or my Superman at the moment. Did we know that uh, Miss Good was a demon uh, up until this point? I think it got revealed. Yes, I think late. it got like that. There's something more to her. Okay, I don't know to the full exact because action was the one I gave up on. I I rolled the dice and I picked Superman. I was like, eh, I'd rather see what's going on with the family, the Unity Saga. Let me see what happens there. And then you have uh, this Miss Leon, whoever she is. Um, I, I'm guessing she's Amanda Waller, but like they aren't saying Amanda Waller, and she doesn't look like the Amanda Waller that we've seen as of recent. <laughs> but they talk about camouflage, and we, the dude, the the Leviathan, like his face constantly changes over and over, which reminds me a lot of Spiral. Which yeah. reminds you a lot of Spiral. And then, I mean, many of the times he takes on a bald-headed white guy, which made me think of Luther. Which Luther, at last we saw, was in the. Uh, the 25 cent issue or whatever, yeah, the, right? The villain, the year of the villain kickoff, the yeah. year of the villain kickoff where he blew himself up to become the almighty the Martian. Yeah. To be reborn. Yeah. So whatever's going on with him, is that going to tie into this? Oh yeah. No, they're, they're playing. Like I said, this is the year of the villain. They're playing all of it. So like, if you go back to that quarter comic kickoff, uh, there were the three stories. One will stuff, one will go into Scott Snyder's Justice League book, so that will be like Lex Luthor blowing himself up. One was directly for this Leviathan stuff, so it may or may not cross in the Superman books, but this is definitely crossing into Leviathan. And the third one, oh shoot, I forgot what it was now, but oh, I think it was a Batman one, like basically getting us ready for City of Bane, mm. which is going to kind of dovetail in this. I, I think it'll be a part of it, but it's not necessarily like a major component. So then also when Clark is trying to figure out who it is that could possibly have beef with him, he says, oh, there's that Star Labs expose that I did. They could be mad at me. I think it was Star Labs. 
And then the other one, he says, oh, well, Young Justice. And then he's like, well, those kids needed to learn a lesson or something like that. It's like, what did I miss in Young Justice? <laughs> like, why did he and That do is it? a Bendis written book. Yeah, I know. Like, I haven't read. I think I'm only on issue two of Young Justice because I'm behind. Hmm. But what could he have written about Young Justice that, like, made it so that they were bad or he be said, mad at him? He said the champions were better. Oh, <laughs> I just imagine him just putting them all on timeout and giving them spankings. Yeah. yeah. So... There, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, and then, like I said, it's it's encroaching on Supergirl. Like the the season finale, of Supergirl ends with uh, Luther getting killed and uh, Miss Tessamacher, 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 yeah. So she was throughout this whole season, or she's been in the, se- the show for a couple seasons, but this whole t- season she had been Lex Luthor's uh, girl Friday, essentially, but it's extremely intelligent. Uh, after he loses, uh, old lady comes sits next to her on a bus. Uh, bus bench as she's waiting for a bus in like incognito disguise and she's like uh, I did what you said you know now I, I got close to him I did I, I acted like I was in love with him you, you, need, well, you should let me go now and she's like no we have more plans for you look around and like everybody that's in the neighborhood just stops what they're doing and turns to Tessamacher to just look at her she's like we are Leviathan you're going to do what we say and then that's where it ends so I was like how are they already incorporating that into the show? <laughs> so that was that's interesting. I want there to be a big synergy between the two. I think that'd be great. I just I don't see it happening. Well, but I mean, then again, Bendis. I mean, it, that's a big win for DC Warner Brothers to get Bendis because Bendis did sit in a lot of the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe they're finally like, shit. We kind of don't know what we're doing. Maybe Bendis is the man to talk to. So I just think that uh, with. Them doing Leviathan next season, plus the the Crisis on Infinite Earths tie-in crossover that they're going to do next next year. Uh, I assume that means they're going to make it all one continuity over there at the DCCW. I could see that. No, it because be like thing. I remember Bendis or not Bendis, Jeff John said that. Um, like I remember when they announced that Agents of Shield was going to take place in the MCU. I was like, oh, that's so cool, and. You know, it was kind of a crushing blow because you had just, you know, like, oh, you got this great guy playing Green Arrow. They just announced Grant Gustin as the Flash. And they're like, oh, but then we're going to do these movies and we're going to have other people. And it was kind of like, damn. And then I remember Grant, or not Grant, I remember Jeff John saying, like, it all fits together. It's a multiverse. It all fits. So, like, Adam West, that's in continuity. Mm-hmm. You know, Batman the Animated Series, that's in continuity. So I think with, with them playing with this, metaverse why not you know like yeah maybe it will come together that it's like a big warner brothers dc comics love fest and it all counts i'm down so i mean yeah it'd be it'd be great if we we get the multiverse idea come out more i mean we were seeing it in the marvel universe or marvel cinematic universe yeah, they're starting to use that word. Universe, so yeah. uh all right was there anything else you want to talk about though any one of these three stories I think we hashed it out pretty good. Just it's a great time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> honestly, comics. today is a big is a big win for DC Comics. Um, I mean, I mean, we're talking about three DC Comics issues. We're not talking about a Marvel comic issue. Yeah, like this is this is definitely huge. I mean, Marvel's having some exciting Take stuff. that, Immortal Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, today, like, do yourself a favor. Go out, pick up these comics. Uh, keep reading Doomsday Clock. If you didn't join in at the start... You lucky, clever bastard. You don't have to wait like we did. Um, And I look forward to the success of that. Heroes of Crisis is done. It's definitely, it's it's a thoughtful book, so make sure you're in a mind space to sit down and really analyze and feel it. But otherwise, 
It's no comic book Wednesday, and today was a success. There you go. If you have anything you would like to throw in about any of these stories or any of the issues we talked about today, we'd love to hear from you. I am on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geekly Media. Chris is also on Twitter as... Stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. And Rafa can be found on Twitter at... Mobile Rafi, entertainment on the go. That's right. If uh, you want to get a hold of the rest of Geek Elite Media, it's at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geekleetmedia.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media Network. Also, check out our YouTube channel where you can see videos that Rafa made of the past convention. Especially what is talking about Phoenix Fan Fusion. If you're interested in going to a con, never been to one before, you kind of want to get an idea of what it looks like, we have plenty of videos of us going to these and kind of getting a feel. So, you know, it's a good way to kind of seamlessly get into it. All right. Uh, But uh, yeah, so, but until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geekly Media Network saying, always remember to geek geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep. Mitch here from Geek Elite Media, and I want to talk to you about Cuts by Candace, an experienced hairstylist that is willing to work with you to get the right look for you. When it comes to important events in my life and I need to look good, I trust my hair with Candace. Mention our promo code GEEKOUT when making your appointment through the end of May 2019 and you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candace on Facebook and Cuts by Candace 3 on Instagram and start looking the best you you can.